Tip Today with Fran Curry, IMRO Radio Award Gold Winner. In association with slatterysgarage.ie. Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. And Emma is producing today. Now, coming up on this morning show in the second hour of the programme, we pay tribute to our late colleague and friend, uh, Dennis O'Sullivan. We'll be speaking to several people. Um, Involved with Dennis over the years, both in radio and uh, the arts. And um, if you want to pay tribute to Dennis, we'd love to hear from you uh, today on 1800 or indeed you can text him WhatsApp 083 because I'm conscious many, many of you would have loved Dennis over the years. We'll also be speaking to the great Johnny Luby in just a little while. Should pyjamas be banned in cafes and retail premises? And our Friday panel will unpack the big topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. Look at the headlines today right across the newspapers. News of that tragic situation in the Midlands and now a mother has been charged with the murder of her children Mikey and Thelma Denany uh, in that car blaze in County Westmeath earlier on this month. Also on the Examiner today we're reading that the government has been forced to, to hike emergency payments to families struggling with the cost of essentials such as clothes and uh, housing as well. To the Irish Daily Mail Ardesh, fear for Fianna Fáil is their banner headline. Concern is growing in the Fianna Fáil party over support for the party with abysmally low numbers of members registering to attend its Ardesh in a week's time. So I'm sure that's very worrying for our stalwarts of the party. Also across the newspapers today, news of that uh, Northern Ireland census and Catholics now outnumber. Protestants in Northern Ireland for the first time since the partition of the island and of course newly released 2021 figures showing Catholics now make up uh, almost 46% of the North's population while uh, Protestants and other Christian religions represent 43.5 and Need I tell you the huge political implications from this, warmly welcomed uh, by Sinn Féin, uh, which said that the end of partition is now in sight. Uh, the Irish Times, fresh calls again for border poll in wake of that Northern Ireland um, census result. And uh, also that story about the mother being charged with the murder of her children. Uh, also on the Times today, Ireland has joined other key members of the United Nations Security Council in demanding that Russia be held accountable for its actions in Ukraine. And finally, a quick look at the Indo. And dire warnings over housing plan as key targets are being missed. Uh, cabinet min- uh, ministers have been warned. The government's landmark plan to address the housing crisis is missing key targets and will not deliver the number of properties needed to address the long-running property supply problem. So that's a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. 83 And uh, you can uh, email tip today at tipfm.com. Johnny Luby joins me. Good morning to you, Johnny. Friends, how's it going, lad? Good stuff, Johnny. And yourself, how are you getting on? Often. 
So like Michael O'Hare said about the Grand National, the toughest, grossest and most grueling we I've had for a long, a long, long time. <laughs> you were in Listone, were you? <laughs> I was, Fanny. Yeah. It was a savage going down there. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you mean savage now by way of the horses and the betting or savage by way of the public houses? I'd, uh, everything, Fanny. <laughs> I, I participated in them all. I met the great Dabo O'Shea, uh, Pat Fox, he of Anna Carty fame. Indeed. And, uh, of course, Conor Coon and a great uh, Cork centre back there. And they were looking at a bloody video, if you don't mind. That's out, that's out there. That's the bane of my life. This is the video that's made national radio and all sorts uh, of stuff at the moment. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah. Like, there's 140,000 hits. And, uh, and the young fellow rang me down something about uh, talk t- uh, TikTok. Or TikTok, TikTok, Johnny. Whatever TikTok. the bloody hell that is, I don't know. <laughs> But I think at 140,000 hits. Oh, oh Lord. Do you, want to, do you want to tell us about that game? Because you got a little carried away in your commentary. Oh, well, you see, Fran, uh, Claire and the young fella, he's vice principal down there, and I've kind of taken an out bit of a graph for him. Mm. And uh, I done a South Junior Holland final last year for them, and they, they won that South Junior for the first time in 40 years. And they asked me then on Saturday, would I be around a Sunday to do the. Uh, Junior A football, and I said, I, I will, but the only conditions is that you have to have a chance. Oh, young man said, We have a right chance altogether. He says, uh, I think we're certain. He said, Oh, my God, I said, I'll do it then. And John Ernie, then, of course, jumped on board. Uh, he said, There'll be a dinner for you and a couple of glasses of wine and that. So I said, Right. So, of course, I was a partisan uh, uh, commentator, you yes. know, I was very biased towards uh, Clarehan. You certainly were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Gally, my my dear hometown, I think there's a song out there in there, and maroon colours and that. Uh, they took the field down here with Keith uh, Delahunty there from my rover refereeing the match and just leaving the man in the background. We glorified it all before the start. And, of course, Brendan Curtin's of uh, Premier Videos was the man on the, on the machine up, uh, up above and we were up on some bit of the stand. But lo and behold, Danny, after 10 minutes, I said, this, mother of God, Johnny, I said, how did you get caught with this? Bell and Gally uh, were leading by seven or eight pints after about 10 minutes and Colonel Burnham was patrolling the sidelines, he of Lockmore fame uh, and that and the next thing was our man was uh, in the second half he was going through for a goal, I think it was Thomas Walton I, I'm nearly certain it was him mm. but I didn't even get a chance to say it, that it was a wonderful goal, which it was you know, I, I just continued on and I took a bit of a breather and I said Mother of Christ I said <laughs> English language to its fullest extent. Indeed. And Father come around to me and he said, Johnny, hey, you're dead right. He said, you're very eloquent, dear. He says, do you know what you'll do? He says, will you come into confession to me tomorrow evening? He says, I'll, I'll uh, uh, give you a bit of a uh, solution or absolution or whatever. But uh, look, I will say one thing. They're a wonderful club, but they seem to celebrate better when they lose. Do they? No, yeah, normally when teams win, uh, uh, they celebrate. But this crowd, uh, they, they went on the binge right. Oh, so, Lord. Uh, yeah. it was, uh, looked was, uh, it was, uh, uh, it's brilliant. Del, Del 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 Rachel Blackmore uh, yeah. rode a winner for Henry de Bromhead uh, and they got a huge round of applause. Ah, yeah. Most many people were thinking of poor uh, Jack de Bromhead, the Lord of Mercy upon the young boy. Uh, and that uh, and looked was a sad occasion, but I suppose 
this has to say maybe life is life is queer, isn't it? You know, it oh, just goes very on. Strange, isn't that it? kind of a thing. Did you win money in Lestall, Johnny? Oh, and I looked something small. It didn't cost me an awful lot because I free accommodation and free drinks and stuff and after that they didn't that uh, even that uh, the carry on of it you know Absolutely. but I was just looking at my uh, uh, hectic schedule there last uh, last weekend I went to see Golden and Clamel Commercial on Friday night in New England and of course we we adjourned to Burdens and then Ollie's and to be fair to me in Ollie's I was after doing the lottery ticket because often I do the lottery tickets in the various clubs around yeah. but I forgot to put in my numbers so oh, Philomena she'd be a sister of John Lundigan the the, jail, the head man in the jail yeah yeah. John and Mount Jai and uh, but God, of course I had my phone number down and she rang I thought I was after winning and uh, she said you can't win the, the Rock and Rovers lotto I said why she said you never put in the bloody numbers <laughs> <laughs> I kept all the numbers there and then, and I, I, I didn't get any phone call back from her, so obviously I didn't win. But on Saturday morning, I went to see Canality Ross Moore on the 13th via gem of a casual holding team, casually can come from the 13th. Mm. And after extra time, Canality Ross Moore uh, emerged victorious. I had a young fellow playing wing back Dallas, so he was absolutely delighted. And then we went to Anna County to see Golden Kilfeek in a number 17A West final, beating their near neighbours and good rivals, Knockabella Kickhams, in a, a tremendous game of holding. And uh, then we had Jordan, if you don't mind, to birthdays in Dundrum. I'd been oh, in there for a while. I haven't been there for ages. A great pint of Guinness there, I'll tell oh, you. Oh, friend. I, I, look, I could describe it for you, but it was unbelievable. <laughs> You'd have to have but, it with a spoon. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I went up to the village then in Dundrum to see Canality Ross Moore under 17 B's play a very, very, very strong cap of white gales uh, that, uh, who uh, really would be fancy to win the county uh, uh, thing. Then the famous match on the Sunday. And of course, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to the stall. I came home yesterday to get ready this morning for the South Tip this morning at the coffee in Golden at 10 o'clock. I think I'm uh, doing a bit of uh, serving teas and coffee for yes. the South Tip Hospice. I'm, I'm looking at the screen in front of me here, Johnny, and there are dire warnings if you don't mention that. And that you'll be there yourself. Clive, sorry, yeah, I certainly yeah. will, please, God. I, I'm getting, I'm after Laura. See, herself can't do anything. She's on the sticks or on the right. crutches. Yes. And <laughs> it's terrible to laugh about. She'd be, like, she'd be giving out like <laughs> bloody hell. But, uh, yeah, look, Brennan, it's a great weekend to come in the holding. I mean, it is a savage weekend for holding in Tipperary. Yeah. When you have uh, the likes of uh, Neighbours, uh, Drum and Inch uh, playing Lockmore, Castellani in, in, inside in Simple Stadium tomorrow, that's at four o'clock. And then at a quarter to six, you have Toomey Vera against Kilwan McDonough's another mouth-watering clash and you have Cashel King Cormac's whom I strongly fancy to beat Borges in uh, Boris Lee uh, that's tomorrow at 2 o'clock mm-hmm. and of course Gortnahoe Glen Gould uh, beat Port Row in, in Boris Lee as well that's at uh, 3.45 but uh, I suppose uh, the big matches then on the Sunday are certainly Kildangan v Canality Ross Moore I've always a soft spot for Kildangan mm-hmm. but when they play Canality Ross Moore it's a different ball game I, I'm switched across immediately of course because uh, I don't know a bit of a commentary one time for Kildangan and the whole up there they never gave me a shilling now I know they lost the match and they were overcome and everything else but they never got me back since because I don't know any matches I don't for them they seem to lose but uh, you can't call them whores you know that you're not supposed <laughs> look, uh, to do that you know that the other side of good people that's the way I'll call them yes. but uh, I suppose the one club that's really well like more Castellani have a double chance but uh, Upper Church Trumbane are mm. absolutely flying up there mm. uh, and that is wonderful for them and for Tipperary Hurling and the very best of luck to them you know that uh, and your own club of course and a county yeah. Road, they survived uh, the football relegation battle they seem to be battle hardened in that for, for that every year and of course they play my
by Kirky Burris in a, a, a relegation battle. And one must go back to 1943, which is almost uh, 80 years ago, mm. uh, when the two of them met in a county senior holding final. Uh, and the county Road were the first team to bring a West senior holding title to the 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 division of West Tipperary. Oh. You didn't know that, Frank. I didn't know that, Johnny, no. And, Frank, if you happen to go to the match of Sunday, who are you shouting for? Bel- um, um, Anna Cathy or, or McCarthy Burris? Uh, gee, it'll be tough. be tough for me now with, with our links to Mike Arkey. But no, it'll have to be Anna Cathy, of course. Have to be Anna Cathy. Have to well. be Anna Cathy. And uh, uh, then you have, uh, uh, as I said, Clonolty, Ross Moore, and look the best of luck to them. And then you have Ross Gravy, the tallest athletes in the Premier League. Look, he's a brilliant hurling weekend, you know, and uh, all of that. But... Uh, Mm. Of course, a friend, to say a well done to the county board uh, for and uh, all the people involved for coming up with a tremendous uh, day in Semple Stadium on Sunday last for the South and North Tipperary Hospice. It was a wonderful day, I suppose, with many matches being on last weekend, the crowd possibly would have been bigger mm. because Tipperary is a great sporting county to support everything. But nevertheless, uh, they have made uh, good money for the two hospices, which they certainly need and of course uh, fair play to the county board and their county board draw is on uh, next Friday night you're only licking up to Timmy Floyd no now, I'm not so. because he's going so he can't do anything for me it's <laughs> as simple as that but uh, the county board draw you see, people yes. might be under the impression of the county board listen what the county board have out of it isn't you'd have it in your ass pocket uh it's for the clubs, really. And the clubs go out and do the tickets. And that night, I joined it myself last night again for the, about the fifth. I, if I come out once, I'd sleep to cover all. And uh, the prizes are over a half million in prizes. And there's maybe 50 prizes every month. So to certainly just go in and join your club. And you can pay Absolutely. them back at 10 or a month or whatever the case may be. Mm. But, uh, of course, friend, on Sunday next, I don't think I'll be able to go to any of the whole of the matches. Because I have to yeah. go to a place called Toon Graney. Oh, uh, it's what's been, happening? It's on the borders there of Tipperary and Clare. And uh, uh, young David Maloney and John Ferdincombe are playing the All-Ireland handball final. And the very best of luck to them. I love to see the blue and gold of Tipperary winning anything, whether it is soccer, camogie, uh, holding ladies' football, whatever the case may be. And the best of luck, I'm hoping to get to Graney. We have a great man, the Lord of Mercy, I am Jack Welsh. He was a brother of Father Joe Welsh. Do remember that case that time ago, three years ago? I remember it well. Great a great tragedy, holder. yeah. Yeah, Jack yeah. was a great hurler with Tipperary and a fine horse of a man. He was six foot three and about 16 stone and he uh, died with, uh, due to cancer there maybe four or five years ago and he's buried in two grainy. But when Golden won the last West final in 72, uh, of course they had a big celebration in Golden went on for three or four days and then they went off to America. And fair play to Golden, they brought the umpires and all with them. <laughs> But Jack was drinking at some counter in the morning at three o'clock in the morning and this uh, Barton National said to him, where are you from? And Jack said, Golden. This is Barton Yonkers in New York. And he said, Golden. And your man stopped and said, he says, could you tell me, he said, what state is that in? And Jack said, it is in an awful state, he said, since we left three days ago. But, uh, I was told Jack, to, to, to uh, remind you as well, don't forget uh, Tonelty Ross Moore under 13s on Sunday as well. Oh, my God, above tonight. Jesus, finally, I'll have to make three of myself. And, of course, friend, the rugby, as I'm on sport, the rugby's in full swing with the seniors there in Cashel, Nina, and uh, Clonmel. I think Nina had a marvellous victory last weekend. Cashel had a good performance against uh, one of the Cork teams. And, of course, then when you look at all the junior clubs in Tipperary, it likes a Carrick on shore, Fedot, Newport, Kilfeekle, Clan William Tullis, uh, Galbally, Mitchestown. It's going into full swing there in the next couple of uh, uh, weeks. Friend, I have certainly to say, Hello to Eamon and Josie Jones. They're up in Rossbury. 
Okay. But I have to give them a reminder that they, they forgot to uh, give birthday wishes to their son-in-law, David May. <laughs> I was told to say that. What, right. That, well, you it know, saves them the price of a card, I suppose. Isn't it a help from mind of the case? <laughs> They're probably saying, listen to that fellow now. <laughs> and there's a, a bridge at Fogarty in Cool Cormac Farm, Killy. Right. I happened to clue how to go to Killy, but she has asked me to go up and I think they have one pub in Killy. Right. And I have to call you. I must look up the map because I can't Google anything. Uh, good health to Nellie O'Connor, of course, with her leg. How is, how is Nellie's leg? How is Nellie's leg? <laughs> Billy said not too bad. He's lifting his elbow. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, uh, she, yeah. She got her knee done and that. And, of course, somebody said to me that the horse and hound, they're 25 years in action, would I give them a mention? It's and a dweller. Yeah, and yeah. the two, the one team that the two of us follow now, the Duella Swans. <laughs> so I have to say hello to them as well. And uh, Brian, I all types are your friend. Where? How did you get on last weekend at that music session up in Kildare? I got an absolutely brilliant time altogether. It was fantastic. The place was packed, and loads of Tipperary people up there as well, and the Buckley family up there too, with young Brian and his mom. And yeah, we had a ball. And Frank, as the business, in, in case I have a chance, where mm. are you playing this weekend? I must go and hear you and give my own judgment on, on what kind of a musician you are. <laughs> I'll give my judgment then on what kind of a dancer you are, which is even better. Listen, what do you make of the PJs, the, the pyjamas band in the cafe? I think they shouldn't be. Do you not? Did no, you did you ever end up in the bridge house in Golden in a pair of Listen, long johns or pajamas? Such a rush out the door that I end up beside and Liam Sullivan's shop in Golden with not none money. Well, I depends and a vest. <laughs> I thought it was uh, I was rushing out the door because uh, Anthony was giving us a couple of old things there for the. Uh, hospice morning yeah, yeah. and I had to go in and meet him and one of the girls said where's your shop so I didn't have dawned on me but I didn't they didn't bear me I Did mean like not? look uh, the jam is fine yeah I mean what about it mother of God it uh, takes down the tone of the place according to the owner anyway for God's sake, what cafe was it? And I will arrive in myself in my pyjamas to let him put me out. So I'd love, to, I'd love Frank to put it on video. Uh, it was up in County Meath. You wouldn't be up around there anyway. It was just a no, coffee shop. But, uh, uh, I wouldn't do it. I mean, like, look, listen, they come in wearing every kind of thing. Hoods. I mean, if you ban that, where will you stop? You'll ban hoodies and you'll ban shorts on a fellow coming in in a pair of shorts uh, maybe in the month of December on a freezing morning. You're going to say he's off his rockers. Yeah, well, years ago in the dance halls, you wouldn't get in unless you were dressed properly. Well, of course, friend, to be double-handed going into the dance halls years ago wearing nothing but a pyjamas. What did you make of the, the car ramming in Dublin? And, uh, Absolutely the... scandalous, friend. Yeah. To think that uh, we treat the Gardaí like that, I mean, I certainly have the, the utmost uh, respect always had and will, please God, for the Gardaí. Because if you're in any kind of trouble at all, at all, uh, what the first thing you do is ring the Gardaí. Mm. And, like, to think that we have people out there that will... Uh, uh, non-law-abiding. Yeah. I mean, they, you have to have respect, Fran, in this day and age uh, and that, and how how they can do that and possibly get in away with it. I get away with it yeah. From what I gather, they weren't even allowed to put on the sirens. No, because they didn't have the proper qualification to do so, but which is friend, just mother crazy. Got yeah. above tonight. Oh, stop the lights. I know. Uh, look, listen to me. This is what is it? Only just press the button. So a youngster at three inside in a girl's car could press the button and put on the sale. No, it's nonsense, isn't it? Will you mention Shannon Rovers and Galtie Rovers under 13 as well? Johnny, semi-final on Sunday morning, it says here. And, oh, my God. And they want you to go to the car boot sale as well. And it's on at 12. <laughs> Where's the 
airboats. I think it's in feathered, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Feathered. Uh, Somebody else saying Johnny is on fire this morning. Um, uh, When is he getting his own show? And... uh, He's going 90 this morning, so there I you go. Fran, I am. I said, I said Fran, I'm going, uh, actually, I told Catherine yesterday, I said, I'll come home, I said, for the Southie Pass this morning. She said, you said it last Friday that you'd be there. She says, and those couple of ladies there want a four. I said, right, I will be there. I said, but I'm going back to Listowel again. <laughs> so, Fran, I'll be heading for Listowel if he's got around 12 o'clock, because it's ladies day in uh, Is it? Uh, well, you, you couldn't miss that. Mary, Mary has a great idea. Mary's in Ballyporeen and she says, ask Johnny. You see, you wouldn't have heard this because you were in the stall, but we were talking about whether or not the man should pay for the meal on the first date and Mary wants your opinion on that. No. <laughs> what do you mean, no? Because women are going around looking for women's rights. They want 50-50 in every bloody thing and if they do, and this thing of a free lady, ladies free, and I'm going to put a stop to all that. Are you? Because if ladies are free, men should be free. I mean, there's no difference only what's what the man said was hanging out of us. Right. <laughs> Equality and all of that, Johnny, is that it? Yeah, equality to sexes, you know. Uh, and uh, Oh, I must wish the Tipperary Greyhounds the very best of luck tomorrow night in the Derby, the huge Derby in Shelburne Park. A great friend of mine, Owen McKenna from Knockgraffin in New Inn. His dad was Ger McKenna and uh, uncles was Mackie McKenna, the famous Tipperary hurler. Owen is a top-class trainer. He has uh, uh, a Greyhound here in the final of the uh, Irish Derby and to say the best of luck to him uh, because, uh, look, I follow all the sports in Tipperary, friend, no matter what ah, they sure, are. I know, yeah. Uh, that that uh, car boot sale, by the way, is in Tomograney. So, in Tomograney? Yeah, yeah. So there you I You just, didn't know that now, did you? No, I didn't. And, friend, and when I leave this store, please, God, uh, uh, well, I can't leave until tomorrow morning, but I have to bring a person back to uh, Cork Airport and have them there at uh, half seven. All right, okay. So, so uh, you can't, that, you can't just, do that. I took out the map of Ireland uh, and a ruler because uh, it was 10 miles the inch or something, and I had to travel about, I'd say, the guts of 100 miles. Oh, Lord. Oh, so on I'd your own. I'd be on the road, eh? Ah, I'll tell you, you're a, you're a hardy man. Uh, tell Johnny congrats to uh, Galty Rovers under-19 footballers who won the West Final on Wednesday night against Oh, Gold, yeah, well, that's Gold somebody Gold. from Galty Rovers. Friend. Who do you it think is. they beat? A Golden Kilfeagle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know that, now? <laughs> friend, they'll always hit you to quarter pound, <laughs> won't they? <laughs> I noticed you were very quiet about it, though, in fairness. Oh, yeah, well, just, yeah. Yeah, uh, oh, stop the lights. I don't know. I must find out who the referee was. I normally find out who the referee is when we're beaten. <laughs> and give him a so, bit of a roasting, is that it? <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Johnny. Listen, look after yourself anyway. Yeah, because I did say to a referee one time, I said at halftime when we were 16 and a half pints behind at halftime, I did say, uh, Mick Cannon is retiring Billy Dial next week. And he says, what are you telling me that for? I says, with the way you're writing us, I said, you'll get the bloody job done. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you are. Good luck, How man. could you be 16 and a half pints? <laughs> well, I... <laughs> That's sort of everybody is listening to what I say. <laughs> good luck, Johnny. Good right, luck. Friend, right, good luck. That's the great Johnny Luby uh, this morning with our usual chaos and all of that. Now, in the second hour, we will be paying tribute to our late friend and colleague here at Tip FM, uh, Dennis O'Sullivan. But Jeremiah was on with a lovely, a lovely tribute to Dennis saying, Good morning, friend. Very sad morning. I'm uh, the involved in the theatre world in Tipperary. Uh, following the death of Dennis, uh, he came to Art Finnan in 1988 and he stayed producing Panto for the next uh, 10 years. It was the best of times in an era of very little employment and not a lot uh, to do. He became one of us and we all remain friends for life. Dennis brought me into Clanmel Theatre Guild in 2009 as part of their 40th anniversary celebrations. 
his wife, the wonderful Stella, produced three one-act plays and I played a part in Brian Friel's uh, Lovers. I always uh, remained great friends with them both and I um, rang lots of the Panto team yesterday, including Stefan, that's my friend uh, Stefan Grace, I presume, and everybody was extremely saddened to hear about the news and just wanted to put it in writing and our feelings of sadness at the loss of a great man. He went on to be known as Dennis O on the radio and uh, a colleague of yours and all a tip of him, may he rest in peace, uh, says Jeremiah. Lovely tribute there, Jer, and thank you very much indeed. Rosemary was on as well to say good morning, Fran. So sorry to hear the news of the passing of Dennis O from the radio. 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, I made reference to it when I was chatting to uh, Johnny there, but a coffee owner. Uh, introduced a dress code on the premises after uh, to a coffee shop owner, that should be, after two women in pyjamas and slippers arrived for breakfast. Sage and Stone's Kira Burke has now banned dining in pyjamas at restaurants and gift shops. And uh, the outspoken business person from Julik in uh, County Meath received divisive reactions uh, online for her stance, which was introduced after two diners sat down for breakfast in uh, all-night attire. So was she right? We put this up on social media and we got a, a feral reaction to it as well. Christine joins me now. Christine, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed, Christine. Lovely to talk to you. You kind of have mixed um, reaction to this, uh, to wearing pyjamas outside of the bedroom. You think it's okay in, in some circumstances, Christine? Well, come here. I am the man that you'll collect in the child in my pyjamas <laughs> bottoms and a hoodie and my uh, my sliders or whatever have you. Yes. Like, I am that person that just throw on, like, when I get in the door, my morning coat goes on me and I get, <laughs> and I just walk away throughout the house. Very good. But, like, I wouldn't be going out now sitting down in a restaurant. I think that's way too much. I'm right. like, no, I, I would not be comfortable with that at all, personally. Right. So you wouldn't myself. you wouldn't go to a coffee shop or a restaurant? or Absolutely not, ever, no. Now, uh, yes, if I ran out of milk there and I had to go to the shop and I had my pyjamas on me, I would throw on a jacket over my pyjamas and I'd fly down and, you know, or go down and collect a takeaway or whatever have you in my pyjamas and stuff like that but I'd have something on me to just be my pyjamas bottoms I wouldn't exactly be you know going in sitting down for a meal no I, I just I couldn't know Right so do you think that uh, the lady in question was right uh, Kira Burke is her name um, to to put a ban on people wearing night attire going into the Well like, I, do, I a ban no because like it should be just common sense basically like if you're going out to sit down to have something to eat it doesn't take two seconds now I know I sound like a hypocrite because I'm just saying it takes two seconds to show on a pants yes. and I run down to the shop in my pyjamas but if, if, uh, you show me one person that has never gone outside the door in their pyjamas because I don't know very many people that are not guilty of like jumping into the car in their pyjamas dropping the kids off or do you know something like that? Because I have, like mm. you know, and I'm not ashamed to say it either. I have. Well, I, I, I was going to say I don't wear pajamas, but that's much too much information. I would uh, <laughs> would imagine at this point. <laughs> but didn't it become fashionable to wear pajamas outside of the home uh, at one point there a couple of years ago? Well, I. 
I think people just became a lot more aware of like hygiene and stuff like that and they like changed. I think COVID awoken a lot of people to hygiene. So. Do you think so? But your mother gave out to you, did she, when you were... Yeah, back about 10 years ago when I was going out, yes. you know, like I decided to stay there smoking fags and <laughs> Weren't you very bold now, Christine? <laughs> I was, I was. But look what teenagers are saying. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Uh, stay with me for a moment because Helen joins us as uh, as well this morning. Good morning to you, Helen. How are you? I'm very well indeed. How do you feel about this, Helen? Sorry, I was just checking off the speaker there. Yeah, no um, problem at all. What what, yeah. what about the pyjamas? Would you wear pyjamas going to a coffee shop or something? No way. I never have done. Uh, on my sickest days when I'd be going out, which I wear pyjamas in a, anywhere outside my driveway. Right. No way. No way. I just think two things. One, I think it's a sign of disrespect for myself because going out my jammy jammies are for for nightwear. Okay. Right. And the other thing is, you know, I remember many, many years ago, now I'm going back about 20 years or so, when we were lucky enough to have a psychiatric hospital in, in Clonmel. Mm. Uh I used to, we had to see an occasional patient would manage to get out out of the care of the hospital and be seen wandering around town. And they'd be noticeable because they'd be wearing a dressing gown and jammies. Oh, the poor dogs. And slippers, yeah. the poor dogs. Yeah. Exactly. So you'd ring the hospital and say, look, I've just seen X person and just let them know. And yeah. it was a sign, for me, it is a sign of somebody who thinks they can wear them anywhere, that there may be an underlying problem, of maybe a psychiatric problem or a problem of self-esteem. Right. Well, there's, there's, nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with my self-esteem, there's, Helen. And oh, no, no, I, and you don't wear them. You've just said, Chris, you've just said you don't wear them going into a coffee shop. Hmm. No, but no, Christine but does wear them if she's going to the school in an emergency or something like that. Do you, I, yeah, do you have no, a problem no, with that, no, Helen? Do you know something? Sam, you're bottom. asking me if I have any problem with that. Yeah. No, because no. Uh, when my kids were little, occasionally we'd be running late, and I'd say, oh, fuck it anyway, and I'd jump into the car in my jammies. I wasn't getting out of the car at the school. I wasn't going into the shop. I was just jumping into the car, dropping them at the school and coming straight back. Right. Okay. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that this morning. I woke up late this morning. My alarm didn't go off, and my son had to be dropped down to the the. He goes to a homework club before he goes to school, and I dropped him off there. No one even saw me. I had my dressing gown on me and my pajamas, and I was in the car. But I, therefore, I didn't get out of the car. I watched him going in the door. I can see straight in the door from where I dropped him, right. and he was perfectly fine going in. But like that this morning in an emergency. But it was an emergency. And tell me this, Christine. Before I go yeah. back to Helen, what 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 have you run out of? petrol or the car broke down or something? I'd have to ring my brother and my mum and I'd be like, come save me. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Like, when I've been so hungover, the, the, the people who are censored, God love them, they see me coming in for my chicken roll or whatever and, you know, like, I'd have the pajamas on me but I'd have a jacket or something over it but you, you'd know oh, it was the pajamas. Like. You, you know how to live, Christine, that's for sure. <laughs> Helen, what about this notion, though, that at one stage it was sort of fashionable to be, to be wearing high-fashion pajamas out, out and about? Did you... Did you ever go down that road? No. 
No. Never. Right. A, never. I've never had five fashion pajamas. And B, I wouldn't wear them. I just... I, I just don't think it's the right thing to do. And, like, and I usually don't give a fig what people say. I'll do my own thing. Mm. But I just think with pyjamas, look, you sleep with them at night and then go around during the day in jammies. Is, I just find it bizarre. The other thing I find bizarre is that it seems to be mainly females who do this. I never see a male. Not maybe it's because they don't wear pajamas like you, Fran. I don't know. <laughs> maybe so. But Even though I saw one gob doll at uh, from National Radio, I won't name and shame, but he was at uh, an awards ceremony and he thought he was so cool because he was wearing a dress jacket and dicky bow, but underneath he wore a pajamas bottoms. Now, I needn't tell you what I thought of him on the night, but oh. you know, so it ha- it has happened. It has happened, Helen. I think the word might rhyme, begin with S and rhyme with. Bite. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Do you know the other bizarre thing is that I see many young girls wearing their jammies um, in shops or wherever, and they're beautifully made up, yes. right down to their fake eyelashes. So they've time to do all that, and yes, they're wearing pajamas. Right. And what yeah, what do you think yeah. that means? What's behind that, as far as you're concerned? I think some of it may be because their pals are doing it; they do it. Mm. Okay. And uh, but where it all comes from, I really find it very odd. Yeah. Well, fashion comes and goes, I suppose. But you think it's a, yeah. So was um, what's her name again? Kira Burke. Was she right to put this ban uh, on her coffee shop? I think so. Yes. Yeah. And if you were sitting down having a coffee and somebody was beside you, Helen, uh, wearing pajamas, would you take offence? No. A bit of it. No, right. I just think she's right to put the ban on it. Oh gosh, no way would I take offence. Right. Okay. But you wouldn't do it yourself, which is the but I would, no, exactly the main thing. And what about you, Christine? I mean, if you were in a coffee shop and somebody arrived in in pajamas or a group of people, would you be offended by that? Well, if there was a whole, if there was one person like, and she was in her pajamas and she looked kind of stressed, but like as Helen said there a minute ago, um, like you know, there's time to do like makeup and that, and they go in then and sit down in a pair of pajamas. I mean, like if you look that good, why not like put on something? And I, even a pair of leggings or a, a plain, if you want to wear your pajamas that bad, put on a plain black legging pajamas, you know, don't be wearing like fluffy ones with all designer stuff on them that you'd get in pennies or something. Right. You know, so. Okay, I'm with you, yeah. So don't be making a big deal of it is what you're saying. Yeah, like, God, no, like if you're in, if you're that desperate to wear your pajamas, now I'm speaking, I do wear my pajamas, but like I've never gone into like I've grabbed the coffee from, like, Costa, takeaway, stuff like that, in mm. apple green and stuff in my pajamas, bottoms and stuff, and I've been hungover and so <laughs> tired or whatever. Like, You've you know? been hungover, I love <laughs> But, like, I've gone in there and said, please give me caffeine. Yes, I mean, my, like, I my, my partner's T-shirt on me, the pajamas, bottoms, the sliders, the hair turn up, one eyelash on, one eyelash off. I've been in some pain. <laughs> you, you'll send me photographs of that, will you, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I will not. But, like, as I'm saying, if you're going in to sit down somewhere and you know yes. you're going to sit down somewhere, right? it doesn't take five seconds. I mean, like, if you're if you're in your pyjamas, are they the ones you've slept in all night? Have you changed yourself? Like, have you had a shower? Have you, have you, well, have well, you I presume they're the ones you would have slept in all night, even though in fairness to the women that went into the coffee shop, I'm just reading here, they wore fleece pyjamas, slippers, and they had dressing gowns over it. So they were very modestly dressed. <laughs> 
I just I I can't, I can't understand that personally. Yeah. Like I like and even like they say like I don't know if it's true or not. Don't quote me, but they say Tesco can refuse now to serve people that are in their pajamas. Yeah. Like I I I've ran into Tesco before grabbing stuff for lunches in my pajamas, like, and I've been served to people know me. So like I don't think it's like a form of like discrimination is such like because I mean like we're all guilty of it but like you oh, I've, I've often gone into Tesco when I'm dressed up to you know yeah. go for a job interview or show something like that like I, I would never discriminate towards absolutely anyone but I wouldn't judge them but at the same time you would give someone a look and be like come on now you right. know, and, and Helen a last word on this uh, you wouldn't particularly judge people would you about it you just from your own point of view you, you wouldn't do it Exactly, from my own point of view, no, I absolutely would not wear pyjamas. And if people really need to do that, I should let them off. Um, right. But you know those ladies who, who started this um, in the coffee shop? Uh, they were Apparently they were going to New York. Were they? Oh, I didn't realise yeah. that. Yeah, they were on their holidays, um, I'm reading here, and they were very pleasant, nice people. It's just their attire uh, caused yeah. some offence to the owner, but you're, there you go. It was lovely. But, it was know, a delight I'm to talk to you both. Note, yes. As long as the jammies, people are wearing them, that there isn't a flipping great big hole in an, in a, <laughs> an inappropriate place might be so bad. <laughs> oh, I love it. Listen, look after yourselves. and a delight to speak to you both uh, this morning, Helen and Christine there. I love Christine's image of being hung over with one eyelash on and and her, her partner's uh, t-shirt and her pajamas. I just love that. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. The Imro Radio Award winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Big response to the pyjamas. Joe says no pyjamas in public. Fran, have a, have a bit of self-respect. Uh, somebody else saying that's a very strange one pyjamas are only worn out by the lowest worthless section of society who are the lowest worthless section of society I wonder anyway somebody else says um, Tina was onto us no pyjamas should be worn uh, going out uh, for coffee or for dinner I've seen a lady come into a public building in pyjamas all her makeup was perfect but she didn't have time to put on her clothes for God's sake Fran what next Somebody else saying it's so unhygienic to have your PJs um, on going out. The amount of skin you lose on your from your body at night is disgusting, I think. Uh, Jerry in Thurlis says, Fran, when we were young, we were told to get up and get dressed. Willie has a strange one as well. He says, Fran, it's no wonder women have so many problems with obesity if they're so lazy that they can't be bothered to dress. I assure you, Willie, and I know about this, God knows, it's not just women have a problem with weight. Um, <laughs> as, as I know to my detriment. Okay, lots more coming in on this. Lots coming in as well. Paying tribute to my late friend and colleague, uh, the great Dennis O'Sullivan, and uh, we're going to clock Jordan now, and uh, to Bonnie Hayes. Good morning to you, Bonnie. Morning, morning, Fran. How are you? It's sad news, Bonnie. Oh, I got a shock, Fran. I just heard it there on the, I think the 9 o'clock news, yeah. 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 I, I knew him well years ago. First of all, I'm trying to think of his radio show. Was it, uh, was it so, Premier Gold? So, solid, sure gold solid Gold solid Sunday. Gold, solid Gold Sunday, yeah. exactly. It was a brilliant show, Fran. Yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant show. Absolutely brilliant. Huge, huge listenership. Oh, my God. To it was, it was, it was, yeah. I wouldn't miss it. Personally, I wouldn't miss yeah. it on a Sunday. He played 
he played, as I said, all the show band stuff. He played the great sixties music, and he knew he knew what he was talking oh, about. Absolutely. He knew what he was playing. Absolutely, and a great friend of Mick Dell's and all the oh, the, the other stars, absolutely, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he presented you with an award, Bonnie, if memory serves me correct, didn't he? He did, Fran. Yeah, twenty twelve, I think. Uh, Tip FM used to have a an annual Arts and Entertainment Award, yeah. and there was a monthly award and an overall, and I was lucky enough to. To get a monthly award, and I got the overall award eventually. And but I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I knew the monthly one was coming, all right. But we had a function in um, our local drama group here had a function in Ballycommon in the Thatch. And uh, Dennis uh, turned up at it and presented the award. And then he presented me with the overall, the twelfth overall award as well. And I was sitting with him that night, and uh, during the meal. And he was very, he was very well versed on on entertainment and uh, amateur drama and all that stuff. No matter what plays you talked about, he knew the authors. He could, he knew all about. It. He was, he was very well up in all that line, line of, of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, the arts and uh, theatre and uh, the yeah. the theatre yeah. guild here in Clonmel. I mean, that was his thing. He just loved it uh, really? so much. He always recorded those occasions as well, of course, uh, Bonnie. And I remember hearing that, in fact, because he, he appeared like Eamon Andrews. It, it was a surprise to the recipients, it was. wasn't that, that it? Was the, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was. I didn't know he was coming on the night. Yeah. Uh, we would usually have a function each year after our when we finish our production, and I thought that was what was going on that night but uh, as I said Dennis appeared out of the blue and yeah. uh, we, had a, we had a fantastic night with him and I kept in touch with him after that for a long long time and I always I found him a lovely easy talk to easy going kind of a man no, Absol- absolutely. Yeah, he was very good to me when I started out in radio. Um, I, I must say, gave me lots of advice and looked after me too. And, really? Uh, yeah, he was a pure dote, I, I, I have to say. Um, he managed to do, and the late Mick Coffey managed it as well, Bonnie, I'm sure you'll agree, is that they got past the microphone and there was a real connection with people, wasn't oh, there? Was, you know? yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was a... He had a kind of a personal, you know, yeah. whether you rang him up or sent a message to him on a Sunday... You always got the impression that he knew he knew everybody. He knew who he was talking to. Yeah, you know, he made yeah. he, as you say, he made a personal connection with everybody. Yes, of course, which which is a very very hard thing to do. The the dream team on Sunday mornings there uh, was Carol and McCoffee and then yeah. Dennis. I mean, there was yes, incredible absolutely. listenership. It really no, was. It was, just I, it, was nervous, it, was, it was a great morning. It was a fabulous morning's entertainment up to one or two o'clock in the day. For for sure. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on to say those lovely Not words. Thanks. Bonnie. May he rest in peace. Absolutely. And condolences. Thanks, Bonnie, to Stella and uh, to his son Michael and uh, to all of his uh, friends and uh, extended family as well. 1800-938-007. We'll be paying tribute to Dennis with lots of his friends in the next hour of uh, the programme. If you want to take part uh, in that, we'd love to uh, hear from you. 1800-938-007. Text WhatsApp 0833113311. And indeed, you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
Welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Now, as Pat alluded to there during our news bulletin, the sad news reached us yesterday of the uh, passing of our dear friend and colleague, Dennis O'Sullivan. Dennis, as many of you know, talented and popular broadcaster. He presented hugely popular uh, Sunday music programme, Solid Gold Sunday. He presented the art show here on Tip FM as well. He... Um, presented this show indeed on many occasions over the years as well. His radio career began at CBC in Clonmel and he was station manager indeed uh, for his sins at Shoreland Radio and we'll have some stories about that uh, later on as well. His passing has led to a wave of tributes right across the world of radio and the arts of which he was very much a patron. Now we'll be um, speaking to lots of his friends and colleagues uh, on the phones over the next uh, 50 minutes or so but joining me in the studio I'm delighted to say is broadcaster Tony Brook and it's lovely to have Tony uh, back here in uh, Tip FM and uh, founder and president of Bannacloon Mallet conductor and musical director Danny Carroll is with us today as well and our own head of uh, production Shay Searson is here and you're all very welcome and thank you indeed for coming in even though it certainly is a, a sad occasion Tony can I go to you uh, first of all of course you would have known Tony you would have known uh, Dennis for a lot of years Tony I, I did, uh, yes, Fran, and uh, we were great colleagues and friends, and he presented, as you said, a, a wonderful programme on a Sunday morning, which had huge listenership, mm. and he was very, very popular with the listeners, and he had wonderful knowledge of the arts and show business. He mm. could take you back to the big band days, he could remember all the crooners, he knew all about them, and he had lots of favourites of his own as well. And that's uh, for certain. Uh, I, I was talking to Bonnie Hayes earlier on, Tony, and I made the point that he's one of that uh, small amount of broadcasters that's able to get past the microphone and he made a great connection with people, didn't he? He did, he did indeed, yeah. Fran. He did, he did indeed, yes. Uh, everybody knew him and yeah. everybody saluted him uh, whenever they met him. Yeah. And uh, as you know yourself, uh, a lot of people know us and we don't know them. <laughs> right. So sometimes yeah. when you're going around and people say hello to you and uh, when I find that happens to me, I politely say, could I have your name, please? <laughs> right. And because I'm very good at remembering faces, but not the but names. But not the names, And yeah. uh, they tell me their names then and I say, oh yeah, I remember your name. You, you often submitted an answer to one of my quizzes or I remember uh, your requests and everything yeah. and I, I can associate the name of the person with uh, the area say it could be Mary from Thorless or it could be <laughs> John from yes. uh, anywhere else you know but yeah. uh, I'm sure you find that as well I think everybody probably finds that but uh, um, for sure, everybody yeah. loved Dennis and uh, we, we had a great uh, time together here at the station as well I'll tell you a little story in a minute when you come back to me if you No saw. problem I'd be delighted with that. Uh, Shay uh, since we heard the sad news yesterday you were looking through the archives uh, for us as well and uh, you, found, oh. you found some interesting stuff there. Thankfully I found something yeah. because um, uh, when Dennis was here I mean um, since then we've had upgrades and everything to our logging and all Yes that, and yeah. stuff has been lost which is a, a tragedy I mean yeah. uh, you remember when the late Mick Coffey passed away we had so much stuff we could just put our fingers on it get yes. it straight off Yeah Boy, did I have to go searching yesterday. I just found a couple of small little promos that um, that he yeah. had. But, you know, the wonderful thing about Dennis, because of his arts background, when you'd get Dennis into voice a, a, a promo, I mean, you know, you've often come in, sure. Tony as well in the past, I'd hand you a script and you'd rattle through it and then I'd mm. say, ah, go back, try this. <laughs> Dennis would self-correct. 
Right, right. You know, he had... This that, was the actor. Absolutely, him, and the yeah. director and yeah. everything else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, Tony talking about, um, you know, uh, just the man. Mm. He was arguably uh, just the, the, the consummate gentleman. Yeah. I never heard him raise his voice. Never. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how he he uh, directed people. And um, as you said, Tip Today, Sunday, I went on after him on Sundays. Yeah. And it was like trying to follow, you know, Sonic a megastar. Sunday. Oh, yeah, it was just huge. It was, Absolutely yeah. Huge. And you could just nearly hear the radios turning off. <laughs> <laughs> when I came on, you didn't take it personally. Or no, Tony, like uh, Dennis was was finished, and of course, Fran, remember the Rhines. Yeah. Oh God, I do. Of yeah. Course. yeah. I mean, yeah. he was behind was that as well. The soap opera that we opera. came up with. Yeah. I just remembered that last night. Um, yeah. I mean, as we all do, we think back and we of think course, yeah. he was behind and that. And of course, that won a national uh, yeah, award. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remembered that very well. I'm glad you brought that up because I came to him with that idea and I really? said, I have this thing about a, an imaginary village somewhere between maybe horse and jockey and third. Could you come up with something? Yeah. And he found a writer and he came up with it and he produced all of the uh, and it, as I said, won a national. It, it was fantastic, yeah. and of course, uh, he was uh, an engineer. He drove the outside broadcast yeah. unit. Yeah. Uh, he set up for the outside broadcasts mm. um, yeah. many, many a time. Um, you know, I, I turned up, and Dennis was just there. Everything was ready. The coffee was ready. I mean, it was just he was he was fantastic. Was a great yeah. Let, let, let's play a couple of the promos because that's yeah. that's what you got. Did did he speak to Jack Duckworth uh, from from Yeah, uh, the the actor Coronation Alan Street. Tarney, is it? Yeah. I think is yeah. uh, the actor. He was. It's self-explained in the promo, right. but uh, take a listen to it. Let's let's have a listen to Dennis. I did have the pleasure and the privilege myself 14 years ago of paying a visit to Coronation Street and actually had a pint in in, in, in the Rovers and it was real beer. You didn't drink it, did you? Oh my God. <laughs> if you sup that, you'll sup out. Hi, Dennis O here. If you're a fan of the soaps, you'll know that the legendary Jack Duckworth passed away peacefully in last Monday's episode. Bill Tarmay, who played Jack Duckworth in Carnation Street for over 30 years, visited relatives in the village in Moidlass a few years ago and agreed to do an interview for Tip FM. I've always said I am not an actor. I was just very fortunate to wander into a job that was about a Lancashire lad. And what am I? To mark Bill's retirement, we will be replaying that interview on the Art Show on Tip FM this coming Sunday at 8pm. Hope you can join me. Plus, he got him away from Vera. <laughs> Who, by the way, he, he, he loves Vera. He just doesn't like the woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so hard to hear his voice, though. Isn't it? But he's, he's lovely do you know, the, voice, the, yeah. the wonderful thing about that is, is, is when Dennis came in to me and he had the interview, uh, he knew exactly what he wanted, yes, where course, he wanted yeah. it. I was just cooking. You know, yeah. he, he, he directed it completely. But the arts programme, um, the work he put into mm. it was mm. unbelievable. He travelled everywhere and anywhere yeah. for it. Yeah, you know, and I mean, he was camp. here probably three, four days a week yeah. doing stuff for Editing it. Editing and oh, all of yeah, that as well. Yeah. And Tony mentioned, of course, his choice of music and uh, he loved all the greats. And you have a piece as well where he's talking about Matt Monroe. Yeah, it? another tribute one yeah. uh, for Matt Monroe. Okay, let's have a listen to this. Hi, Dennis O here to tell you about a special one-hour tribute to the late Matt Monroe, which will be broadcast on next Sunday, May 9th. Matt Monroe passed away 25 years ago this year. The programme features Matt's daughter, Michelle, and will include several of his best-loved hits, including Born Free, Walk Away, and, of course, his first international hit, Portrait of My Love. A portrait of my love. 
It tells the story of Matt Monroe from his humble beginnings in Shoreditch in East London up to his death on the 7th of February 1985 at just 54 years of age. Walk away, please go. Join me on Classic Gold Sunday for this one-hour tribute on Sunday next at 11am on Tip FM. See, we all took it for granted, but now that you pointed it out, I'm listening to the cadences there and how he would phrase something. And, they, and yeah, yeah, it was effortless, of course. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, he had a certain tone. Yeah, yeah. Mick Coffey had something similar. Yeah, absolutely. It just yeah. had that warm, friendly tone about it. Mr. Brook, uh, absolutely, another yeah. one. You know, there are certain people uh, that just have it. Well, Pat Murphy just uh, after news there on Talkback said an interesting thing to me, and uh, God knows it's, it's yeah. the perfect point. Really, he said there was only two real gentlemen here. One of them is sitting with us, <laughs> and that's the great Tony Brook, and the other one has passed away. And it's, well, you know so what, Fran? If uh, if one good thing came out of this, mm. it's that Tony Brook is sitting here absolutely. next to us and absolutely. talking to the people on Tip FM again. Absolutely, and uh, the lovely voice of Tony Brook as well. I'm delighted to be joined by Danny Carroll. Danny, how are you? Very well, Fran, very well. Uh, good to see you today. Sad news, Danny. Mm, you would have gone back quite news. a ways with uh, yeah, Dennis O as yeah. well. Well, first of all, condolences, of course, to Stella and Michael and the extended family, you know. It's a very sad day. We yeah. were all devastated to hear the terrible news. We go back quite, we do go back quite a long time. Even when Banatlun Malice started, we, after a few years, we would put on stage shows and that, the likes of all of our pantomime. And Dennis was in the middle of it, of course, and even playing parts and producing. And yeah. he, had a great, um, he had a great eye for things mm. like that. I would miss this kind of stuff. He was an extremely cultured man. And even all the the lovely music that you were playing there. Yes. But Dennis had really very Catholic tastes uh, about music. Dennis could appreciate a, a Beethoven symphony just as as he could Matt Monroe. Yes. You know. Yeah. There was no snobbery about absolutely it. Absolutely really. yeah. not. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. And Dennis is a guy that I would seek out um, if we were giving a performance, a band performance, or an orchestral performance, or whatever. And Dennis was in the audience, and I would listen to what he said. You know, what did you think, Dennis? And most people would say, you know, oh, you were great, lads. <laughs> you know, but I say, what do you really think? Well, he might say to me, yes. I, you know, you probably had a little few intonation problems, you know, in the clarinet <laughs> section, um, the thing. And I would listen to that. So he had a very musical ear. Oh, then, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, he's dead on with things, you know. Yeah. And then we'd have little coffee mornings. He would come up and join the. Other the Tony O'Keefe and Michael Kiley and those and we anybody who wasn't there we talk about them <laughs> <laughs> and he loved that and uh, he loved that he as well yeah humour and yeah. you just reminded me there that of course he was always on call as well to MC so so many uh, yes he MC uh, for events us over he the MC time, quite yeah. a, a number of concerts for us and the research you would put into it as you were saying mm. there sick yeah. of this the research you would put into it was mind boggling you know which. I used to say, well, Dennis, you really don't need half of that, you know. Oh, yeah. no, 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 we have to do it. 
Yeah, he always put the work in. Didn't he put he? the work in, and it came out the other side. Absolutely, for yeah. for, for for certain. Um, as you say, the choice of music. Many people want to say about the choice of music on Solid Gold Sunday, how much they loved it, and that uh, they don't hear uh, as much of it anymore yes. as well. Did you say you had a story for us, Tony? Well, well uh, back in the, the good old days of the early days of local radio, I think it must have been in the CBC days, Yes, uh, that um, I had the pleasure of being able to produce an idea which uh, was given me uh, great uh, permission by the station at the time. I had this idea for uh, separate interviews with people who were involved in show business in County Tipperary and uh, I had this idea that the name of the programme would be There's No Business Like Show Business and I got the go ahead for that. So anyway uh, I thought to myself who's going to present this programme now? There's only one person who can do that because he has the knowledge from the arts, he knows all about show business and I spoke to Dennis and Dennis said yes I'll be very happy to do it and uh, together we, we sorted out the names of six very well-known people and I think Danny might have been one of them because uh, at the time uh, all of the famous people who were involved in the various aspects of entertainment in County Tipperary were included in a six-part series Mm. and one of the uh, shows which we uh, recorded was down in the uh, living room of the great Paddy Clancy. Paddy was one of them and he very kindly invited us down to his house and we set up our uh, bit of gear in his uh, living room and uh, he sat on one side, Dennis sat on the other side. I was behind a big reel to reel tape recorder that we used to have here at one time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Those types of uh, reel to reel machines. And I had my headphones yeah. on and I was looking at the dials to make sure that uh, everything went off okay. And then when we brought it back to the studio, it was transferred then and edited onto cassettes. So at the time, it was cassettes and all the, any music that was introduced uh, during the programme was included on the cassette as well. So um, some of the those cassettes must be around somewhere. Around. Oh Wouldn't I love to hear them? Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. were terrific. We had wonderful people uh, on on the programs, and uh, yes. another time as well. Dennis and uh, the great Jerry Gannon, who was absolutely yes, uh, yes, uh, who's back home by the way at the moment. Is he? Oh, yeah, great yeah, stuff. Hello yeah. to Jerry if, you, if yeah. you're listening at the moment. Mm. Uh, Dennis and himself uh, went up the country because uh, they heard that there was a building with a ghost in it. Uh, I think it was a <laughs> castle or somewhere like that. And himself yeah. and uh, they went up for the tape recording to try and see what they hear the capture the ghost so they came back they came back to our house and they were laughing mad they didn't have any success anyway but they had a good crack uh, and, and a chat about it above at our house uh, uh, very one time that happened a, a good bit well, well, Tony and, and Shay and Danny staying with us and we'll be going to the phones to speak to some former colleagues and indeed some uh, great friends of uh, Dennis. Of course, he was such a fan of Bennett, Clue and Mella and he was such a supporter, wasn't he, he was, Danny, over the indeed, years? Indeed, he was you know? a great supporter, yeah. absolutely. But it, it just brings me around to the when they produced the, see the, the that wonderful CD of Mick Dell. Mm. You know, his input to that, to that was... was huge, I remember at one meeting... Um, in the museum now, and there was a, great people around, and there was a lot of work went into producing that, and it was a very worthwhile project. Mm. But um, there was a, not a lot of knowledge. The tapes were from the 40s. They were lost tapes yes. or something. I don't know where they recorded Galway, I think. And um, it was very hard to pin down certain things. Like, there was one vocal, I remember, and uh, some knowledgeable person at the meeting said we didn't know who it was singing basically 
Um, he said, oh, that's definitely Eddie Roberts singing, who sang with Big Dell for years, like, you know. But these were in the 40s, and Dennis piped up, and he said, well, if that's Eddie Roberts, you'd be hearing the voice of a boy soprano, he said. <laughs> <laughs> so he had all of that background knowledge on, on, on the Oh, he had wonderful, great, he had yeah. amazing knowledge about McDell. Yeah. Like, you know, McDell, the band, the personnel, the music he played, all that kind of stuff. Of course. You know. Well, we have some of yes. uh, McDell's music and we will play that later. Yeah. We'll just take a break. We'll be right back. Right. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Our late uh, friend and colleague uh, Dennis O'Sullivan and uh, Tony Brooke is with me here in studio along with Shay Searson and uh, Danny Carroll. Let's go to the phones though and to uh, well, we know him as Doc. The great Aidan O'Doherty is with me. Aidan uh, good morning to you. Morning, friend. Uh, good, good to chat to you today. And I'm so sorry that it's on such a sad occasion. You were particularly saddened when you got the news yesterday. I know, Doc. Oh, I, I was, friend, because uh, what really bothered me was that I had driven past Dennis's house a couple of times this year, yeah. and um, I said I must call in. I must yeah, I call know. in, you know. Yeah. And as usual, then it's too late, you know. Yeah. But, you you uh, go all the way. You you go all the way back to the pirate days, uh, Doc, with him. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back to CBC and uh, prior to that in uh, Pirate Radio and Yawn as well. Mm. But with Dennis, um, what can you say about Dennis? You know, I mean. Your three guests have stolen every line that you could think of, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> well, I know you broke his heart working with him when he, when he was manager of Ireland. <laughs> the broke a lot of hearts. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I tell you, the, the first uh, the first tune I had with, uh, with Dennis about the Shoreland radio was I called into his shop one day, you know? Yes. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, he used to have a shop in Carnell Street there where um, where the paper shop is now. Yes. Himself and Stella used to uh, run that. And I was in with Dennis one day, I think I was buying fags off him or something at the time, and I just happened to mention it about the radio. I knew that himself and John Ryan and uh, Darren Cullen and a few others were out um, applying for a licence. And they got it. Uh, much to the surprise of, of everybody else that applied for licenses. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I just said to him, uh, I, I said, have you have you got a sales team, Dennis? And he looked at me like uh, three heads. Uh, I don't know, he said. <laughs> now, this was three weeks before they opened. Yes. So I, I, he said to me, go down to John. He said, he's blowing the, the gas house. He says, you know, and he knows. And I turned to John and John looked at me like I had four heads, no, I'm three. Mm. <laughs> so um, we didn't uh, we didn't get to uh, have a sales team anyway on the road when when Shoreland launched, uh, which was a pity. But I remember Dennis when he was station manager. Yes. And uh, he came along to me one day uh, when the first JNLRs came out, and he was perplexed. He couldn't he couldn't believe what had happened. And I said, "You must up, Dennis." Ah, oh, he said. The JNLRs are in this morning, he said, and they won't show them to me. <laughs> the, the, these were the listenership figures for the yeah, station, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he said he had said to, to John and uh, Tina at the time, 
But I'm station manager. I'm supposed to see the GNLR figures. <laughs> and he was told they were none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. It's lovely, yeah. Wasn't there a bus or something? Was, was there a bus that you got for the, the station uh, or something around that time as well, Doc? Oh, we had, we had a big... Uh, <laughs> We had a big XRAF 38-seater bus uh, with no power steering or anything on it. <laughs> and um, I remember, uh, just to re- reflect on that, Tony, you probably remember this as well. It was pre-Chase Earson days <laughs> when we were lucky. Oh, ever ever the nasty word. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Um, we were we had we had run into trouble financially, and uh, the the uh, the crowd in Dublin had uh, told us that we had to reorganise immediately, or we lose the license and that. So uh, there had to be trimmings of staff and that, and we had a staff meeting in the bus, <laughs> right? Yes. All the staff, and uh, there were two members of the board there representing the board, and. Uh, we were going on and on anyway, and uh, things were getting heated, and then they were cooling down and that. And next thing, poor Timmy Cooney, the late Timmy, you addressed him. He stuck his head in the bus and he said, I have an outside broadcasting carriage in 40 minutes, and I'm going in five. <laughs> in the bus. In the bus. <laughs> and at the same time, there was a giant crane taking the microwave, as we used to call the, uh, the, the cabin that's the CEO had for for his office right. was being lifted over the roof of the gas house oh, and, and being repossessed. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, there were great days, though, Doc. Oh, God, after five minutes, anyway, me and Timmy got into the cab and started driving the bus out the gate. And we, we all had to have a, a mad scramble out of the bus when he stopped <laughs> at the gate. Well, Doc, we were delighted to hear from you today and uh, thank you so much for coming on with us to pay tribute to your great friend, Dennis. It is my pleasure, Fran. I'd like to to wish my condolences to uh, Stella and Michael as well. Um, A lovely man, Dennis, and um, I, I I never met a man so distraught when he finished on radio. Yeah. He was truly distraught, and uh, it was his life. It was heartbreaking for him, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. it was. And, and uh, I even I even suggested that he go on hospital radio or that even, you know, but no, the heart was gone out of him. Yeah. May he rest in peace, a lovely man. Uh, that's, that's for sure. You look after yourself, Doc, and thank you so much for coming on with me today. Aidan O'Doherty there, um, best known to us all as Doc. Do you remember the bus, uh, Tony? Were you on the infamous I, bus? I do, Fran, yes. I do remember as well, yes, I do. <laughs> I do indeed. It was, it was a, a Yeah, there were great, yeah. great, great days indeed. Yeah, all right, let's good. go back to the phones, and I know that Murish Walsh is there for us now. Murish, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. And uh, it's a sad day, Moorish, and uh, thank you so much for, for making time for me. You you were telling me something. Will you tell me about the wedding, first of all? Yeah. God, Dennis, yeah. I remember when we did that tribute to Vincent Handley. Um, oh, God, it must be 10 years ago now, Fran, you yeah. and I. Yeah. And uh, I was chatting to Dennis and, of course, um, sympathies to Stella and Michael and the extended Sullivan and Smith families, but they would be family friends, uh, you know, first and foremost, Dennis and Stella. But Dennis told me that when he got married to uh, Stella, um, that uh, whoever was to sing at their wedding uh, kind of left them down at the last minute. Or I don't know what happened. Mm. But he 
ended up having Vincent Hanley sing at his wedding. Did he indeed? <laughs> Is that... And uh, Vincent wow. was a, was a boys soprano and uh, very good singer. And I, I my brother Owen, Danny would know very well. Uh, heard Vincent. Uh, Sing in the fiery hall one day. Uh, sing. These are just a few of my favourite things from Oliver, and it was a source of great pride to Dennis. And I remember him kind of put his fist up and he said, "I'm very, very proud of that." He said, "Vincent Hanley sang at my wedding." Oh, you isn't, know? That, isn't that fantastic? You're a um, you're a broadcaster yourself, of course, Murish. I mean, what mm, what did you make of him as a broadcaster? Uh, look, he was he was a pro. Yeah. he was a, he was an old pro. And the one thing that I think I I, I always found about Dennis was that the genre of music that he played uh, on his Salad Gold Sunday programmes, uh, you don't hear that anymore, yeah. unfortunately. It's um, Ronan Collins might play, play the odd piece here and there, but uh, it's not something that you hear. I think that he, he covered all bases. He had, a, he had a huge fan base and I think Something that Danny Carroll taught me when I was uh, when I broke Danny's heart in Bonacilmala was this: uh, never, 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 never disrespect the music. Yeah. Never put the music at risk. I always treat the music with respect, and uh, that was something that Dennis always did. And his knowledge—I think that was the big thing. No more than yourself, friend. His knowledge of music was was fantastic. And one of the things about his, you know, his friendship with, with Mick Dell, which was, you know, I know you touched on, mm. um, and he was very close to Mick and was with Mick when he died. And I know that every Christmas they used to have a drop of Jenny together. And that was one thing I said to you about Dennis. He was a, he was a very good judge of bad whiskey. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yes. but, 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 but as my sister Molly, uh, um, who would have been in the theatre guild with him along with, with my brother Rory, who I know is heartbroken over in America on the hearing of Dennis's death, um, because they would have been in, back in the CBC days together. And as I said, my sister Molly and Rory, they would have been in the theatre guild with him. My father, late father, was president of the theatre guild. But going back to the, the McDowell, is that Dennis understood the social history of the time when, when McDowell was playing. And uh, he gave one or two lectures on that, and that's why when RT came down to um, cover uh, and to talk about McDowell, uh, they interviewed Dennis because Dennis understood what was going on at the time and the importance of McDowell uh, to the people, mm. and, uh, and and that's something that's often lost. And I think that's something that you know again uh, when you're you're not Dennis wasn't just playing records on a Sunday. You know, he wasn't doing any. He wasn't just throwing anything on. And I think Tony would be the same when Tony was mm. on the radio. Yes, she, they planned you know, and they put put loads of work into programming. Yeah, it, I suppose yeah, is the way to describe yeah, and, it. And, and researching yeah. it. And one thing my sister said to me, and I, I like I I never treaded the board, but he was. I, I one thing I always found about Dennis when he was in the theatre again. I can talk about that. I found a member that he had great comedic timing. And anybody you ever speak to who has acted, uh, being a comedic actor is the hardest thing to do because people think that, oh, sure, any fella can go up and act Egypt on the stage when it's not. He could do both, but he was very good as a comedic actor, and it takes a lot of, takes a lot of great timing. Yeah, and you described it beautifully to me in our conversation yesterday because you said that when he came on stage, before he opened his mouth, he had a presence and he was funny. 
Yeah, yeah, and I don't mean that in a patronising yes. way, and I don't want to eulogise someone beyond debt or in debt and than they were in life, you know. Um, but there are some people like John Cavanaugh, the great actor. Mm. When he when he would come on stage, you, you would immediately look at him and you 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 you'd, you'd find him funny. Um, Danny would know who I'm talking about. Jim Shea as well in the chorus, as I say. And when Dennis would come on the stage, he had a presence. He just, and he just, he, he would make you smile. He would put you in good form. And he, I, I suppose it's because he had such a great sense of humour and he could laugh at himself. But his comic timing was, was absolutely um, perfect. And he, 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 was, he, he had a good sense of humour. And there are some people who, they can be fine comedic actors, but they're not particularly funny people, if you get what I'm... Yes, of not, course. They're not... Of course, they're not good humoured people, and he was, and uh, and even on his radio show, um, you know, he could he could he could laugh at himself, he could, and he, he could, and, um, and, and, yeah. he, and he could find the good humour in in everything. All right. And the, well, other, and uh, the other thing, just one final thing that yes. our, but I'd like to say about Dennis is that, um, anyone I've spoken to about him as an actor said he was very 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 generous, and I think. That's one thing I found as when I was starting out as trying to do the broadcasting that he was very, very generous to me. He gave me an awful lot of advice um, and it was up to me to do what I wanted with that. But um, And he produced one or two things for me back in the day. And uh, as well as being a dear friend and, uh, you know, I'm very sad at the news, is that um, Dennis's knowledge um, will be greatly missed. He, he, he just his well, knowledge. That's, that's for certain, Marish. And uh, thank you so much, Marish, for coming on no with problem, me today. Man. And we wish you well, and I hope the health uh, improves. Thank you for talking thank to you, me man. today, Marish. Thank you, Gurmil Mahagut. Uh, let's stay with uh, the phone lines now, and let's go to a gentleman who was a recipient of uh, one of uh, the Tip FM Arts Awards. And I'm delighted to be joined now by the great uh, Derek Ryan. Derek, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? And uh, thanks for taking my call yesterday, and I, I broke the news to you, and I know you were very saddened to, to hear about this, uh, Derek, because, as I say, you you were a recipient of a, of a Tip FM Arts Award, weren't you? A great honour when, when, when my earlier career, and I was starting out when I came back down from Dublin and I joined Tipperary Musical Society, whom Dennis was a great supporter of and promoted all our shows out through the years. And just on behalf of Tipperary Society, I just wanted to offer all my condolences to uh, his family and all his friends and colleagues. Yeah, we, that was a big night, a back tie event out in Dundrum House. And uh, we were just after doing uh, Yeoman of the Guard. And uh, he was um, just at the show, and it was an impressive show. And he he uh, just uh, felt that it was uh, uh, it was a show that went down to Waterford and did very well. And it was just a uh, it was a great um, introduction to, to to Tipperary and Tipperary Moose Society. And uh, he just felt that it, it needed to be acknowledged, and it was a great honour. It's very hard to get recognition of the arts, whether you're in musical or theatre. Now, Derek, and it's important to have people. I I wonder if. People People of that stature are that common anymore in terms of, you know, their knowledge of the arts and appreciation of it and willing to publicise it and stay, you know? 
That when you when I got the news yesterday and I was trying to think of all the great qualities that the man had and that was the one that came out the most. It was his knowledge and everybody that has spoken this morning has has uh, alluded to that. You could sit with Dennis now for five minutes and you'd learn something, and you could sit with him for five hours and you'd still be talking five hours later about all sorts of music and people and art and acting. And he had uh, terrific information and he was very generous with that information. And uh, I, he, he would just sit and, and help and talk and discuss and uh, he was a wonderful person to talk to and meet. Derek, very good of you to talk to us today because I know you were on night shift and you stayed up uh, to chat to us, so it's much appreciated, Derek. Well, I, I, you're very welcome. I just wanted to say that uh, he was very like the British there before when I used to do uh, just class and he would be coming in after me. He was so helpful and encouraging and kind and generous with his time to me and uh, he would be sadly, sadly missed. All right, Derek, you look after yourself and thank you so much indeed. Uh, Bass baritone there, man with even a lovely speaking voice, uh, the great uh, Derek Ryan there. It's an interesting one, Danny, isn't it? You know, people of that stature with that breadth of musical knowledge and arts knowledge and stuff as a broad... They're they're rare enough nowadays, aren't they? They are rare enough, yes. But, uh, I mean, people like Dennis, when he spoke, you listened. Yes. you You get a lot of people these days and they are talking. <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah. And you don't listen because they don't really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's very superficial. And yes. Yeah, wa- uh, quite a lot of work. Dennis <laughs> yes. was completely different. He had an in-depth knowledge about, all through experience. He yes. gained this experience throughout his life. And then he dabbled it. Well, I won't say dabbled, but he was into everything like the uh, musicals, the drama, the broadcasting, that... I mean, he was a... He was an, encyclopedic really you know well it's lovely to remember him today I need to take another break uh, but we have lots more people that want to uh, chat to us I'll be right back the Imro Radio Award winning tip today with Slattery's Garage puck on test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage puck on choose from petrol diesel or fully electric slatterysgarage.ie and you're very welcome back to our tribute to our late friend and colleague uh, Dennis O'Sullivan and just before we go on Shay we have to mention that occasion in, in, in Dundrum House where Dennis was uh, he was presenting the Arts Awards. Yeah, I mean, incredible. Um, you talk about the show must go on. Yeah. I mean, he took it to a new level. Uh, as you kind yeah. of said, but, the but, Arts but, Awards was his baby. Yeah, completely. And the work he put into that. But, I mean, on the night of the Arts Awards... Yeah. Um, his, his sister came along with Stella to, yeah. to the awards. And, and she unf- did every year. Unfortunately, yeah. his sister died upstairs in the bedroom while of, getting ready of the hotel while getting yeah, ready yeah. to come downstairs and we were wondering what the delay was and I went upstairs to to chat to Dennis and and, and, and there she was and in his grief he insisted that night on continuing on and presenting the Arts Awards and you were making the point that he did so like you, you couldn't tell well I mean on, on, on the night you were there Danny yes I was there yes yeah. Yeah. And you never would have never known. knew yeah, yeah never knew yeah, what yeah. was going on at all I mean yeah. Just think of that. Like, uh, nobody would have said anything. No. People would have said, oh, God, Dennis, so sorry. We'll cancel. He was the one that found her. He was the one that was there. Absolutely. He went on. And he insisted, Danny, that there was no mention of it until after the show. Absolutely, afterwards. We never heard anything during it. You know, it was a normal 
uh, great arts award night mm. in Dundrum House, yeah. as they all were. And incredible. incredible. Un- un- unbelievable. One other thing, Fran, yes, just, that just came to me when Murray men- mentioned about his comedic uh, timing and talent. Yeah. He was absent for a little while and he was coming back and we said we'd make a promo. And of course, typical Dennis, he came up with, reports of my passing have been greatly exaggerated. You know, and that was... That was the way he taught. Yes, you of know, course, in, in a theatrical way. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's uh, let's go to my my great friend uh, Eamon O'Dwyer. Eamon, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. Yeah, and it's a, to be to be talking to you guys uh, down there. Well, it's, uh, it's lovely to have you on, and it's a pity it's such a sad occasion. Right up to the end, I mean, you were meeting Dennis on a regular basis long after he left the station, uh, Eamon. Yeah, I was only actually talking to him last Monday week. Yeah. Uh, I was up for a walk in the evening time. I'd often ring him on the way out or on the way back from a walk. Uh, talking to him at least for a half an hour. He was in right form. You know, the, the crack with, with with Dennis, there's always some funny stories. And there was always a smile on his face. And you know that even even 30 miles away. You know, yeah. he was that type of guy. And look, we all have stories. And the lads there, Shane, Murray, and all the guys there had fantastic stories. And Tony, look at, I have my own as well. Um, I remember uh, a, a couple of times. I remember one time we were out for breakfast one morning, and Dennis uh, he said he'd bring me down to shore. For whatever reason, he brought me down to the river shore. Uh, <laughs> he had some fishing rights on the river shore. Wherever they were. Oh, that's right, uh, Eamon. I had forgotten about that. He did indeed. Yeah. yeah. So kind of we went down to see the river, what his area was, and I couldn't really understand. I thought the river was open for everybody. But <laughs> anyway, some fishing rights. <laughs> for, 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 for the thing, and I said to him, uh, we're just walking along the bank, and I said, Dennis, you know, we're after having a nice breakfast uh, up in Neves in, in, in Tranmere. Uh, this would be an ideal place to set a night line. You could have a breakfast every morning when you come down and get a cut of salmon. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, <laughs> he says to me, well, you're a bad influence. We get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you're a bad so, influence on everybody, Eamon. Uh, what, yeah. One of your... De- you, you've given us a clip and we're going to play it in, in, in a moment because did you did you have it down your way with with, uh, with Dennis as your special guest? Yeah, with the, yeah, the Tranmere Theatre Group they were celebrating uh, 45 years and Dennis was, of course, one of the founder members. Yes. And uh, he basically comes on there and look, as you know, we're down your way. There's only so many you can get on. Yes. And then it's got on there. I, I, I don't know how long, maybe five or six minutes. Uh, mm. It was absolutely brilliant. But he, even since he retired from the radio, I have spoken to him hundreds of times. Mm. And we were always talking about doing his life story. And I will do it next week and we'll do it. We'll do it in a few weeks' time, you know. But lucky enough to have that clip, that's just a clip of Dennis. Uh, just picked it up yesterday. Oh, look at He was an amazing character. He was a lovely, lovely, lovely man. I remember one time, uh, I was just starting in Tip FM, and you, you know my technical ability, Brandon Moran. <laughs> it's legendary. <laughs> Absolutely, and many of So we went to Nina. I went out with, he was doing an ass show in Nina, and he left uh, his mini disc out of his hand, and I was looking at this mini disc, I never saw one before. And... If I pressed the button and I said, this is Dennis O'Sullivan broadcasting from North Tip, you see? And yes. I left it down again, pressed back the button. So when Dennis went home, Dennis didn't even know I did this, you see? So when he went home to edit the program, he found this on it. <laughs> and what did he do? He played it on Sunday. 
And he wanted people to ring in to recognise who was this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my God. So. Very good there indeed. Was, there, was, there was dinner for two in the Anna Hotel, and by the programme in, no one had a clue who the hell I was. <laughs> there, was there was dinner for 15, because no one could figure out what was going on. Uh, very oh, good God. indeed. We're, just, go- great, uh, yeah. we're going to play a couple of minutes from that uh, programme okay. that you, okay, you were talking yeah. about right now, Eamon. But uh, thank you so much for coming on with us today, yeah. Eamon. Just before you go, our condolences to Michael and to, to Stella, of course, and to, and to Michael on that. It's great, sad loss. All and right. we thank- all regret and regret, it. regret the whole thing. It's a hugely important person in our lives. Fantastic that's, guy. That's for sure. Eamon, beautifully put, and thank you very much indeed for that. That's our old friend uh, Eamon O'Dwyer there. Um, from the uh, piece that uh, Eamon was talking about, here's a couple of minutes of Dennis talking about the genesis of the Clamell Theatre Guild. It would probably be news to most people here, if not everyone here, how, how the actual Clamell Theatre Guild was founded, because it actually started in St Mary's Choral Society back in 1968, right? Uh, I had been a member of the Coral Society for about 12 months before that and uh, somebody mentioned uh, something about a drama group and we were wondering whether we could start one within the Coral Society. And it happened at that time that there was a huge revival of drama throughout Ireland. It just just happened, nobody could explain it. Uh, The the drama groups had been hit uh, mainly when television came on in in, uh, 1962, the the television went on air in 1961, New Year's Eve 1961. And it hit a lot of drama groups and hit cinemas and everything else. But when we got in towards the end of the 1960s, there was a revival in drama. And it was decided that St Mary's Choral Society would put on a play. And the word went out. And there was a huge influx of people in to join the drama group within the choral society. So much so that we were rehearsing one play, uh, the play by the Western world. Uh, and so many other people came in and decided to do a second play at the same time. They would run the same week, run the two plays uh, um, directly after one another. And it was actually advertised. We got up to the, the, the point of advertising it on a poster. It was advertised as St Mary's Choral Society's drama group putting on these two plays. But unfortunately, there were so many of us there and we only had one premises and that was the, the Choral Society premises. We were interfering with what was happening in the Choral Society. And the decision was made that we'd break away, leave them to themselves, and we would we'd go absolutely solo. Uh, we postponed the, the uh, initial staging of the plays, formed a drama group in Hearns Hotel in February 1969, called it the Tamil Theatre Guild, and put on the two plays, and they've been going strong ever since. It must be rather unique that a drama group, must be the only drama group that ever started within a musical society. What's the feeling like to be a father figure of it all? Old. <laughs> always, always the witty line. You can't, you can't beat it. Uh, lots of people on to us uh, to uh, send in their condolences on the passing of, of Dennis. And lots, lots of people on to say how good it is to hear your voice on the radio this morning as well, Tony. So you absolutely you have loads of fans out there. That's for sure. Thank you very much, Fran. Hello to everybody. I want to say a big thank you to you all for uh, remembering me. Uh, we had great times and uh, I, I fondly remember all of the listeners. We had great fun. Yeah. And I think that's the, the thing that I miss most about uh, doing the programmes is the wonderful listeners who you meet and they tell you what they like and what they don't like and meeting them again and uh, yeah. renewing old times. Absolutely. And uh, as well as that, the camaraderie as well. I mean, we're still all great friends here, God knows, but 
the camaraderie of those years in radio was very special, Tony, wasn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Brian. Everybody helped everybody out. And yeah. uh, I always remember we had our uh, CD library just down the yes. corridor from yes. here. And uh, if you go down uh, at any stage and you see all of these... Uh, uh, records from the past and uh, CDs from collections from yesteryear of big bands and music and American music and everything. You know that you you, you are in Dennis's area there. You know th- those are CDs that he used. Of and course, yeah. got in his own ones as well. In fact, Shay, I was speaking to our mutual friend Norman Morrissey yesterday, oh, Norman. and uh, it was great. And he was talking about that very thing that he used to steal records <laughs> belonging to Dennis, and Dennis would know who took them. And and eventually he wrote a note. He didn't want to confront him. Directly, but he wrote a note to say, "Would the effort yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking the CDs and putting them back in the wrong place? Uh, who would know. want to confront who Norman would, Morrissey? Well, that's, that's, the, that's the point that he made as well. Lovely memory for Norman as well. Uh, we were standing outside one day, uh, Dennis and Norman and myself, and uh, Dennis looked out the window and he said, "Who owns the dirty white van out there?" <laughs> and it was Norman's van, so it was, oh. just, was just lovely indeed. He'd be sadly missed anyway, Danny. You know and. People he'll, like that, you know. People he'll be it. very sadly missed. I, what we'll particularly miss about him is his um, informed comments and uh, give you a little information about things and that. Very informed, and when Dennis spoke, you listened, even though he was a very soft speaker all the rest of it, but you listened and you took it on board. Well, we were delighted to have you all in, even though it's a very sad occasion for us. And uh, Shay and Tony and Danny, thank you. Thank and you. Uh, to the many contributors on the on the phones as well. Now, we're going to run over a little with this into our Friday panel because I know a lot more people want to get in. We'll see what we can squeeze in just after 11 o'clock, but thank you all indeed. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to uh, Tip Today and uh, tributes uh, still coming in. Um, about our own uh, Dennis O'Sullivan. Uh, Helen Gardner was on to say, heartbroken to hear of Dennis's passing. He was wonderful on the radio and a lovely man and condolences to Stella and uh, to the family as well. Um, Fran, I have such fond memories of Dennis O'Sullivan when I worked with him on the Haiti um, tragedy back a few years ago. Uh, he was one of Tipperary's gentlemen and may his gentle soul rest in peace. And that's from Connie Fleming, who's in uh, Tumivara. Hello, Connie. How are you uh, today? And uh, lots more coming into us uh, like that. Uh, Pat is in Ross Gray. He says, Fran, the late Dennis O'Sullivan and Mick Coffey's programmes were compulsive listening on a Sunday morning. If you missed one, the morning was ruined. But if you missed both, it was a complete and absolute uh, disaster. Uh, Eileen Campbell was on to us as well to congratulate us uh, on the show and saying it's great to hear Tony uh, back on the radio this morning, uh, paying tribute indeed to uh, Dennis as well. Let us go to the phone lines now. And we're going to Jeremiah. Jared, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. And thank you so much for coming on with us today, Jared, because you have lovely memories of uh, Dennis uh, out in Ardfinnan. Oh, yeah. Um, in the 80s, Fran, of course, the late 80s, there wasn't a lot of work around, as you can well know. Yeah. And, uh, Dennis came out to us in the late 80s. And the old hall in Ardfinnan was a very bad state. Um, holes in the roof, which is a great and what songs about and all that. Yes. So um, the community council at the time, a new community council was formed. Everyone in the village was 
was on that. And uh, it was decided to have um, a stage show of some sort. So the panto was thrown out. And we said, the panto and our trainer, how is that going to work? So Dennis O'Sullivan came out. We did Cinderella in 1989. Uh, and the rest is history. He stayed with us for 10 years. Uh, he took the wildness off the likes of myself and Will Nugent, who just likes to go face <laughs> the stage and uh, put a bit of manners. And he more than once, he had to put a few manners on myself and Nugent. And, uh, but likewise, we were very good to Dennis. We showed him the local hostel in our training where he got to know um, um, what it was to have a nice night after a show. Yes, uh, as Barry said, he was a fan of bad whiskey. So, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we had some great nights, and then of course his party piece, King of the Road, we yes, had our, our, our things yeah. after that. But yeah, I just want to pay a tribute to him, and I want to pay a tribute to yourself, Rand, because I have to say that when a national figure dies, and rightly so, RTE pay a tribute to them. But your show this morning and contributions from, of course, the man with the biggest smile on the radio, Tony Brook, and even though the wire and. And yourself and everyone, I mean, fantastic tribute, a fantastic program to them. So I'm so Stella is listening in this morning. Hello to Stella, I'm so sorry for you, Stella, and for Michael, a wonderful couple, uh, Dennis and Stella. But we had some great times with them in our thing, and you know, kind of old times are happening, you know, we're passing into a tough winter, and people are struggling. But at that time, there wasn't a, there wasn't a job, I wasn't working at the time. Yeah. A lot of people were. We used to go down to the hall at seven o'clock, we'd start for at half seven or eight, we'd come out at midnight three, four nights a week. We go Sunday afternoons. We did a show on a Friday night, a Saturday night. We did a Sunday matinee and a Sunday night show. Wow. Needless to say, you'd want the day after off because uh, we went for a cup of coffee and lemonade after that and, and that was and that took a while as well. But a uh, wonderful man and he brought me into the theatre again in 2009 when they were in the 40th anniversary. He said, Stella has a path for you. I said, I never read for a path. Four times he rang eventually. We go in and read that path for Stella, he said. Stop us buying free play and Stella is an absolute lady, and I was so delighted to go in there. I spent many happy years in the theatre guild, and I did a lot of productions there myself, but I always looked up to Dennis. And, um, great friends to us all, and, you know, and, and I spoke to some of the people yesterday, Willie Welsh, Pat Halley, Kathleen Johnson, Steve Ann, uh, Noel Coffee about him, and all fond memories, and all deeply shocked and deeply saddened to hear of his passing. And Absolutely. It was I used to call to Dennis and Stella before COVID, mm. maybe once a year. Maybe if I was really good twice a year. And mm. often we passed the sense and I said, you know, I wonder how they are. You know the way COVID was and that. And, sure you know, yeah. know the health wasn't always the best with Dennis when we call up. But I got a phone call from uh, from a lady in family yesterday, Trisha Hart, to tell me uh, of his passing. And, you know, I can't, can't stop thinking about him since. And I think he'll come up this morning. He's lovely to him. And he would love us. And was it even the worst about the smile? Or was it honest that, you know, he always had that smile and that little, that little laugh. The, lit, the little quirky been, smile, yeah, that absolutely. Smile. Mind you, I was on the receiving end of the <laughs> Well, it wasn't the quirky smile. But at the end of the day, we were great friends. Well, just so sad to hear of his passing. And uh, we'll be all in the weekend. Because Alfinan Village really, really, really has fond memories of Dennis O'Sullivan. What he did for our village. He was the man. He was Mr. Panto. And then, of course, he was Dennis O on the radio with you every, every uh, Sunday. Sure, we were... We, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, Jared, thank you so much. It's a lovely tribute, and thank you so much for your time this morning, Jared. Thank, thank you. Thank you for paying tribute, and Fran, lovely to talk to you again. Thank you. Bye bye, Janana. Jeremy speaking to us uh, today. Let's go to uh, to Eddie Cummins now. Eddie, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And of course, Eddie, you were chair of the Choral Society. Indeed, you wrote a book about the Choral Society as well, <laughs> and and uh, lovely involvement with Dennis over the years too. Ah, uh, yeah, Dennis and I were, were great friends. And even our latest uh, 
friendship blossomed when he joined the Gordoneers, yes. all made by his choir. Yeah. And I was delighted to see him coming in the, the door of St. Mary's School, and he enjoyed it immensely with all the lads. We're all of an age, and we all had so much in common. But uh, a gentleman wrote about the no, the interview with Dennis himself about the starting of the theatre game. Yes, yeah. Well, my my claim to fame is that I was here, and the whole society were doing the lively time, and like everything else, there were peaks and valleys, and mm. we were having great difficulty with getting cast men, and uh, we struggled around and had rounded up, put off the show for a while, and then resurrected. And um, we were ready to go, and there was a knock on the door here. I was watching a rugby match here in Every Road. And uh, Brendan Long, the Lord Merson, great producer, and Dennis came in. Could we put off Lilac time for an, another period mm. so they could get the, their play going? We were kind of twins at the time, of course, the Gold yeah. Society and the Drama Guild. So I, after all we'd been through, I felt we couldn't put it off. So it was a no from me anyway. And Dennis and Brendan weren't too happy, <laughs> and they 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 left they left the house. We we didn't fall out, yeah. but of course there'd be a little coolness then. But the morning after the day, the morning after the missing yeah. Heron's hotel and started the drama guild. So I kind of feel I'm responsible <laughs> in, in an indirect way of starting the drama guild. <laughs> so your stubbornness <laughs> helped to, to kick off uh, the Theatre Guild. I love it. Oh, yeah, that's, I love that's it. it. Indeed, yeah. Well, he'll be very sadly missed by, by us all. That's, uh, uh, that's for sure, uh, Dennis, Dennis was a grand a gentleman, yeah. and his wife had, had contributed a lot to the arts in John Mel and Stella, I'm very fond of sure. and very sad. Well, because, Eddie, uh, Eddie, we appreciate you taking the call this morning. And thank you so much for coming on with me, Eddie. Yeah, thank, thank you for thank calling you. me. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye to you now. Eddie Cummins uh, speaking to us there. Just finally, uh, let's go to uh, my own colleague, Ger uh, O'Neill, from uh, our sales department, but indeed with our theatrical hat on her today. Ger, good morning to you. <laughs> good morning, Fran. I know you were extremely saddened to hear the news yesterday, Ger, because with the oh. Holy Cross drama, he would have been so involved over the years oh, as well. Oh, my God. You've no idea. I I was shocked yeah. yesterday when I heard about it, and you know it was like a member of the family. Yeah. You know, yeah. and particularly here in Holy Cross, um, you know, between the drama festival, which he absolutely loved, mm. and you know, I mean, he was so um, engaged in everything we did with it, you know, and like he was he was mesmerised, but like he used to come back stage and talk to all the visiting cast. And um, I don't think there's a drama group in the county that didn't meet Dennis O'Sullivan, you know. And yeah. I mean, he he actually said to me himself one day, he said, "Would you believe that there, you know, because we I was given out that, you know, really uh, it's a pity that there aren't more Tipperary groups involved in the festival." And, um, you know, it's such great fun. And if everybody knew the, the you know, the, the ins and outs, but they'd, <laughs> they'd never come mm. out, they'd never, uh, or they'd all want to join in. Um, and he said to me, would you believe, he said, that there is over 65 drama groups in this county alone. Wow. And, 
I was shocked. I was yeah. actually shocked. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'd say every, I'd say he's probably met every, somebody from each of those groups. You know, is incredible. Um, you you were hostess at many of the the arts uh, awards evenings as well. At every your... one of them, yeah, yeah I was. Yeah, um, and uh, they were know. marvelous occasions, weren't oh, they? Oh, they were absolutely superb. They yeah. really were. It was just a, a, a date on the calendar, and it was one you just didn't forget. Um, you know, and like each um, each recipient was so thrilled to receive. Um, uh, it was such a prestigious award, and it was an amazing night. And you know, everything had to be just so for Dennis. Like he was, he was so professional. Of course, and, yeah. And we, um, we, I know that you're busy this morning, so maybe you didn't hear it. But we alluded to the the incident where where his sister died her. in 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 the hotel, and he insisted yeah. on carrying on that night and not yeah. mentioning anything until the end. And Absolutely, it was and incredible, I didn't wasn't know it? anything about it. And yeah. you know, I was there bringing the, the each recipient up to the stage. Yeah. And Dennis still smiled, and he still, you know, and it was it was afterwards when he said, "I want to dedicate this night to my sister Mary." And I was like, "What? Yeah. Why?" You know, and like I couldn't believe it. He yes, was just because we so all had met her earlier on before before yeah, we started. Yeah, he did. Know, that's right. And I was at her funeral down in West Cork, and yeah. you know, he was so close to her. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was a very sad occasion. But he was so professional. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I have to say, the very first time I met Dennis, which is quite funny, really, because um, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, mm-hmm. um, twenty years ago, and um, I met Dennis and the bowels, um McCoffee, yes. um, the two of them in the outside broadcast unit, which was the big, big bus that Doc was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. And uh, they were doing the opening of a, um, a supermarket in Perlis, and uh, we were there. And you know, I sat chatting to the two of them, and they were so funny and so nice. H- said, huge personalities, Jared, weren't oh, they? You know, just huge. larger than and life I said, personalities. Tip yeah. FM must be a great company to work for, lads. I said, <laughs> I'd love to work with you. They would say, big, big. <laughs> Here I am now, twenty years later. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But uh, yeah, sadly. Miss Jerry and one of the great characters, and as you say, you know, larger than life, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah, larger yeah. than life, absolutely. And um, I mean, all of the drama group were shocked yesterday. I sent a message across to them all, and they were really, uh, really, really saddened by it. Um, you know, the drama yeah. festival, all the committee of the drama festival were so, so sorry to hear of his death. You know, and. Well, absolutely. May he rest in peace, the May, gentleman. Abso- absolutely, know. indeed. We appreciate your time today, Ger, and uh, my best to Marty and all the gang there. Thanks very much indeed. I will. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank much. you for coming. And also, us. can I just say, of course you can. It's so great to hear from Tony this morning. Oh, it wasn't Tony, just lovely. I miss you. Come back to us. <laughs> Thanks very much indeed, Ger. <laughs> Thank right. you. And bye bye to you now. That's uh, Ger O'Neill from our uh, advertising department, but of course a very fine actress herself and involved very heavily with uh, Holy Cross drama over the years. All right then, we've delayed our panel, but there'll be uh, a panel ready for us in just a few moments' time. 
The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to uh, Tip Today. We're still getting lots of tributes in uh, to uh, Dennis and thank you very much indeed for that. And once again, our condolences to Stella and Michael and all of the family. Now, our Friday panel, delighted to be joined in the studio by Councillor Richie Malloy of uh, Family Cares Ireland. Uh, Liam Brown is with us, community activist and a regular contributor indeed to the show. And Lena Ryan, I'm delighted to say, is with us. And I left you to last, Lena, because you described yourself as a domestic engineer. And we all had to go around this morning and find out what the hell is a domestic in? But of course, that would be somebody who works in the home. Well, yes, for entities, I I'm not, I don't work outside of the home and I, I'm a facilitator, facilitating my grandchildren and working at Very home good. and trying to, to get on with life. But yeah, I just I was trying to be fu- a little bit funny. I don't think it worked. <laughs> well, no, I think it worked very well, particularly when we finally got what, what it was all about. Can we start by talking about one of our listeners, Kate, who was in touch with us uh, during the week concerning um, the fuel allowance for family carers and she began to tell us her story and that she's a full-time carer for her husband and she was advocating the carers would get in touch with their local politicians and indeed with Heather Humphreys and seek more support in the upcoming budget and her story was amazing because she only gets half a carers allowance because of her husband Richie none of this is a surprise uh, to you indeed but when you hear a personal story like that I mean it really brings home how you know carers are not looked after I suppose it's outrageous and a lot of carers are shocked sometimes when they apply for the carers allowance and they get the carers allowance that that it's not a qualifying payment for the fuel allowance. It seems so crazy. And the one thing I'd say today, even though the budget is coming up on Tuesday, I remember many years ago, if you were on any other payment in the social welfare system, you couldn't get the carer's allowance. You could only get one or the other. And at the very last minute, there was lobbying done to the late Seamus Brennan, who introduced what they call the half-rate carers. So that generally means that you're on maybe a disability payment, you might be on a pension, but now you could get half-rate carers. So even though we're only, you know, days away from the budget, I'd say again, as Kate herself said, to keep the pressure on the Oireachtas mm. members mm. before Tuesday. And she's the, on the half-rate. That's only 100 and... It's only €112 Euros a week. Euros. And the bottom line is, with fuel costs this particular winter now, will be a huge factor in caring. And it would show, it w- if the government do introduce that, it'll show practical support. Like all this kind of vague notions, even talking about pensions for carers, mm. that's mm. way, way down the road. It's this winter. I think people will be right. thinking about. And you know, I speak to you every year post budget, and inevitably there's disappointment. There, I mean, in the last number of budgets, for a long number, they've really the carers really have only got a, a fiver, yeah. basically. So they're treated the same as every other social welfare recipient. And we're always arguing that it's the one social welfare recipient that is actually working practically twenty four hours seven. So there has to be recognition for that. You know that the mm. care anyone on the carers allowance is really working 24 hours 7 and I think if they just come along this year and increase the social welfare payments we'll just say between 5 or 10 euros they've done nothing to really show that the carer is anyway different and the fuel allowance is the big one if they were to make that a qualifying payment it, it would make help. a massive difference it would help to, indeed. Liam what do you make of this that in 2022 here we have a whole cohort of people who are actually saving the state a fortune but they're not being looked after uh, that was the point I was going to make. Fran. Sorry, yes. it's terrible. They are yes. they're saving the, the the state billions. There's no point in in saying otherwise. 
um, a lot of people would have to go into nursing settings or hospital settings that they don't they can stay and quite properly stay in their, their home settings around people who they know and people who look after them I think that's half the problem and I think people are taken advantage of because of that uh, nobody, is, nobody is caring for somebody for the money they're caring for somebody because they want to care for them they love them they want to look after them but there is a recognition that there has to be some payment obviously it, it takes you away from work yourself if you want to go and work yourself but we've got to look after them I'm almost surprised to hear Richie say that, that it's not a, the fuel allowance not a qualifying payment mm. we, we recognise it almost as a social welfare payment so it shouldn't even be a question Yes, there's no doubt about it that if we're saving, if, if cares are saving that amount of money, they, they should be recognised and should be recognised more well, than just is, for fuel is it allowance. interesting that somebody like yourself who would be steeped in the community wouldn't yeah. be aware of that? And I think, isn't that part of it, that it's only when you become a carer all of a sudden, yeah. you, you're, you're aware of these It is, and, and just like, as you said, you, you, you listen to Kate, Kate rang in and gave her her story. There are hundreds of people who have their own stories who suffer in silence yeah. and who don't want to come on the radio for one reason or another. And they shouldn't have to. There's nobody should have to ring you, Fran, um, to tell people the problems they have when those problems yes. can so easily be sorted out by looking after the budgets or looking after the administration of money for carers. And Liam, would you believe to make that call to us, she had to make sure that her son was on the premises to look after her husband, just to make a brief phone call. I, exactly. You know? I mean, I, I know and I've, I, I think the first time I ever met Richie would have been maybe 10, 12, 13 years ago before Richie got involved in politics. I was involved in politics and Richie was advocating for cares at that time. I think that was one of the reasons, Richie, you really got involved in politics Absolutely. because you felt that politicians were not listening to you and were not listening to cares. And you've been a fantastic advocate for cares in that length of time. But in that length of time, you're still almost banging the drum, if you want to say it, and, and, and looking for the recognition and looking for... for for people to, to so be looked after. Yeah. So little has changed. And we shouldn't, as you said, Fran, every single year, and I can guarantee you, Rich, you will be here in yeah. the next 10 days, probably banging his head and talking the same thing again. Yeah, it's well, terrible, yeah. Exactly. Lena, Lena what, do, what do you make of this? Uh, I, I just think it's horrific. If you look at the statistics in the CSO office, there is 6,608 515 hours per week given to caring for people. Now just think of that, if for one person doing that, the stress it puts on you, but also all of the costs are magnified because if you have caring for somebody, you have heating and lighting and electricity. They are in this winter, as Richie said, are going to be the most expensive things. And if they get uh, a, a five euros extra, like a bag of coal at the moment is up on 40 euros. The heat, fuel allowance is 33 euro per week. It won't even cover a bag of coal. But these are provided like Liam said, a huge service and giving the very best of care there's a toll on the individuals and the family lives as well as looking after the person. Yes, because Kate made the point Lena, that she could put her husband in in, into mm. a nursing home and at, at huge cost to the state. Of but I mean, she chooses not to do that. So it's 24-7 care with a little respite maybe from, from the family but no other help. No, no other help. And just the, the scenario you gave, Fran, of having to have somebody come into your home so that call. you can make a phone call. Yeah. Just imagine if she falls or cuts her hand, she can't even go, you know, yes. anything that happens. It's it's also very scary and it's a very, very desperate way to live in in, in, the, in 2022. And I think the crazy part is that Sorry. the help board will, will they'll subsidise the nursing home like that, yes. yeah. but they yeah. won't provide the practical supports, which are much cheaper. 
you know, if you can provide like the fuel allowance at the end of the day, it's not massive costs. Yeah. If you, you take any nursing home, it's 1200 a week now on average. Mm-hmm. So if you can provide a couple of hours even, home respite, which is another one that people are always looking for. It, it, like, it makes no economic sense. You, I just think it is that the cares, and even what we were discussing this morning, is a great thing because it keeps it out there. Because mm. you are kind of fighting against all the other... Because is part of the issue, and I know it is because you, you've said it to me on several occasions, Richie, that by the nature of what they do, 24-7 care, they can't protest, they no. can't be out on the streets or in Dublin outside of Leinster House. I mean, we've had the typical thing back the years, we had protests outside in Dáil and one in particular was the backward step, we were saying, and we had something like 50 carers in Kildare Street huddled into a little corner. And the same day, you know, and it's no disrespect to the IFA, but they were up on the afternoon. There was combine harvesters flying up and down Kiltair Street. There was a big presence. And the journalists on the day, they really felt sorry for the group and they made it look as if there's a bigger group. But in, it's the typical thing. To go to Dublin for a day like that, you've got to set up all the thing at home. Who's going to mind the... If if Kate couldn't make the phone call for five minutes, yeah. can you imagine yeah. what it's like trying to get up to Dublin, yeah. spend the day there? come back you know it's, ta- it's taking advantage of the fact that people are not going to stop caring Absolutely. it's as simple as that it's, it's, yeah. it's, and it's that's terrible that, that really is terrible when you think about it yeah, They're taking for, advantage of people for sure speaking of Dublin can we move on to the Gardaí investigation into the ramming of their patrol car in Cherry Orchard on a Monday night there seemed to be a mob gathered a lot of people would have seen the video at this point a very frightening thing Liam do you want to take that I mean, it, 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 the point was made by one of the TDs, in fact, that this isn't a one-off incident. This has been going on for years. He's been making complaints to the Gardaí for years and to the government, and nothing has been done. Absolutely. Um, I suppose when you talk about this, you've got to get the hyperbole out of the way. First of all, it was disgraceful to see. It shouldn't have happened. Um, secondly, you know, we can say that these youngsters need a boot up the backside and maybe that'll sort and they need discipline and you know where are their parents involved in this the problem is is <coughs> I'm shocked at the fact that people are shocked <coughs> because this isn't a one off mm. this has not only been going on last week it's been going on all this year um, I know if anyone watched Primetime the other night on RT when they spoke about it Dahi Doolan is a councillor up there yeah. I mean he tried to organise a, a community solidarity with people to try and get this stopped and they got, they got ran out of the place and no help whatsoever the problem we have with these families, these problems take a lot of time to manifest, but we don't sort the problem out when it begins. We wait until it gets this far, and then we then we try and address it, and at that stage it becomes a moral panic. You know, everyone, oh, we have to do something about this, we have to do something about this. I mean, we had this in Ballymun, we had it in Darndale, we had it in Talla. You know, it just moved from one place to the next. Um, the only way to sort it is investment. And if you want to link it back to the conversation we've just had a minute ago, you'd be saving an awful lot of money in the long term if you solve the problem with investment at the beginning. Because if you think about it, the best example we might have at the moment would be the Myros South Hill sure. example in Limerick yeah. a couple of years ago. It got to the stage where we were having 13 or 14-year-olds murdering people or being murdered. And it, it just got too far then. Well, there was a will to change that, and, and the, they the, did. There was not only a will to change it, there was €400 million Euro of investment put in to change yeah. it. And that's what you have. And sometimes when you have this conversation, you look at the videos. And, I mean, this is very personal to me because my two daughters live within a mile of this place. They, they live in Ballyfermot. It's just over the wall from Cherry Orchard. I passed Cherry Orchard last Tuesday. I was in Dublin bringing one of them back to, to university. So I know what the area is like. The, the ladies that my daughter are living with, they know what the area is like. And they said that Ballyfermot was like this 20 years ago. 
but they got in there, they put in investment yeah. and they tried to sort out and now it's an absolutely yes. beautiful area. And, and before I move to Lena, is there a danger because, I mean, we hear about law and order issues mm-hmm. in Tipperary all of the time. I mean, this is going on in our community. I was going to say that to you. Uh, I, I read before I came in here, um, Matthew McGrath saying that drugs are being openly dealt in Clanmel. They are being openly dealt in Clanmel. Yes. I have a fair idea who's doing it. I'm pretty sure the authorities have a fair idea who's doing it. It's going on in Cashel, it's going on in Carrick and Shore, and I'm sure there's lots of your listeners listening to me right now who could tell you who's doing it. But why aren't we intervening? Why aren't we stopping it? And why are we waiting for a right. big problem like we've seen and uh, why on that do you video? think we aren't? Uh, there's a couple of issues. One, I think there's a fear because there are certain communities who are particularly involved in this and they don't want to be dealt with or they, they play a card that, oh, it's not us, we're being discriminated against. Um, there are some areas in towns where 95% of the people living in that area are the absolute best people in the world, but they're being blackened by two or three families who are causing this trouble and they don't want to get involved because there's intimidation. Like... The thing that happened in Cherry that's going on in Tipperary. That's going on. That's going on in, in this town right now right. today. And there are people listening to me in Clanmel who know that. And it's not just Clanmel, of course. It's, it's Tipperary it's town. Yeah. It's casual. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. it's most small villages around the place. But again, we've spoke about this before, Fran, about the inability to talk about certain things. Mm. Because if you do, you get shot mm. down. Me and Lena and, and Richie spoke about outside. There's an awful lot of fear among people to actually point out a problem. It's very easy to point out a problem but nobody wants to point out the solution because the solution might make certain people uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to make certain people uncomfortable to solve problems. This is one case. You go in, you deal with it, but you make sure that the problem doesn't manifest someplace else by getting ahead of the problem because the cherry orchard of today was the Darndale Ballymun uh, Tala of 15 years ago and the problems in 15 years' time are beginning to be manifested today. Don't wait 15 years to, to put the investment oh, in. Right. Put it in now and stop them at root. Lena, what, what, what do you make of this? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the, the Gardaí had a £2 billion budget for 2022. If you're talking about investment in the Gardaí, then they have the money to invest there. But I think it needs to. we need to take it back to ourselves. I think as a society we have stopped taking responsibility and demanding um, responsibility by people. And that goes right down to, you know, the child in the street who throws a tantrum. You know, we, we want... To, we we want to look after them. And my little Johnny didn't do that, but he did do it. And there is consequences to action. You, you have, there is responsibility. And I think we need to, to go and on And is that, to that gone, Lena, do you think? Well, I think it is gone yeah. because I think there's, a, like um, Liam said, there's a fear factor out there that if you if you say something, if you say, there is, this is an issue, guys, we need to deal with it in, in our own little community. We, we need to call a meeting and say, okay, and how can we, rather than just say, oh, this is Lena, she's caused a problem there. What can we do to make sure this problem is solved and it doesn't manifest itself and grow and grow and grow? And, that's, and giving kids the responsibility um, and... And like what frightened me about the the video is that there were so many people there yes, that did not inter- didn't do anything to stop uh, and seemed to enjoy it. And would you go as far as saying because I feel this is that if the car was completely disabled, I would have feared for the lives of the guardie. Is that is that too much? Uh, do you well, think? Two things I, I I've read since that they were very inexperienced guardie mm. and they were doing a job. If it was me, I'd have reversed the car and taken yeah, off. But that's yeah. not what they train up to, and that's thank God they didn't do that. But it is where did these people get these cars? And like they were, they were like they were on on Mondello. They were like yeah. you know, yeah. uh, it was it was scary. And 
I think the, the Gardaí, to be fair to them, did the very best they could. Why was there no backup? And they have radios in the car. Yeah. And I'm, I I believe there isn't there is a shortage of resources and there was no backup there. But could it also be the fact that the Gardaí say, we can't do anything about these and maybe told the, the, those Gardaí to get out? It's yeah, abandoning it, the problem. It's interesting, Virginia, and I'd love your view on this as a councillor. Sure. Um, I mean, Liam is saying, and I go along with the dogs on the streets, no, who's involved? We spoke about it just before we came into the studio. Yeah. Often, the biggest problem I find with, and I'm on the JPC, you know, the giant yeah. policing thing, and all these meetings, to me, as, say, a councillor on it, there's, there's, there wants to be a kind of a positive spin, we call it, from upper management, that everything is fine. And it's difficult to go against it unless you've got an actual hard case. Then at those kind of meetings, you can't actually mention an individual case. They'll tell you this is all about policies. We're not here to talk about individual cases. So the message gets lost. And I mean, as Liam has rightly pointed out, like I'm a parent myself and I do dread when my youngster goes downtown, what's going to happen? Mm. Because you can see people spaced out. And if we're the lay people and we can see it, I'm sure the Gardaí can. And the sad facts are, uh, my like, as far as I know, in, I'm just waiting with Clanmel, there might be 40 Gardaí in Clanmel, but there's only six on at any one shift. And you almost hate saying it, I'm saying it publicly now, because you're, you're nearly showing almost, is that weak? But there's definitely a lack of community Gardaí, and as been mentioned, you know, Matty this morning and the doll. But the bottom line is, you need, I think, the local community Gardaí out there very visible. And that, and a few years ago, do you remember that terrible incident that happened up Mellon Park? Some lady, a wheelie bin went on fire yeah. oh, and somebody I died. Remember. Yeah. And it was very sad now. And at the time then, there was a big engagement. Local community guardy went back into the estates, organised soccer tournaments. Mm. But all this takes time. And yes. the Cherry Archer thing the other night... Years have went well, do by. You, do you remember, Richie, that when there was a lack of Gardaí for other aspects of mm. policing, the first people called in were the community police, come out of that and go into something else and you see, that was seen as yeah, more important. You see, I think they felt that, oh, that community police is a soft thing, yeah, only waste yeah, yeah, the money yeah. on it's that. It's fluffy. Yeah, that's, fluffy, yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. But you see, those soccer tournaments, if you have young lads at 10 and 11, that's the time they're going to engage with the local mm. authority. When they're teenagers at 17 or 18, it's very hard it's to get... It's too late at that point, you and, think. You know, you yeah. often have John Lundigan on here and he often mm. talks, you know, from his experiences mm. in Mount Jai that he can almost tell you where they yeah. all came from. Mm. Millions are spent at that stage then. But yet, if you said in the morning, I want to build a skateboard park... Mm. No, I think, in fairness, there is big works going up here on the bypass, you know, the running track yes. and so on. But it's, it's kind of money very well spent and you're going to spend it anyway. Way, way down the road. Yeah. Is it fair, Liam? Um, parents come in for a lot of stick, and they did during the week when we discussed this. Mm-hmm. Is that fair comment? To a point. Yeah. Um, as Lena said, first of all, I get this thing when they, they talk about role models, celebrities, footballers, the whole lot. The first role model any child should have is their own parents. And if they see that their parents don't care about what's going on in society, there's a pretty good chance that they're not going to care either. But you've got to put in support for those parents because every single one of us know Gardaí, we've spoken to Gardaí, and every single Gardaí will tell you that they can almost see a problem happening at a christening. That was, a, a guard said that in Dublin. Uh, no, it was Peter McVerry, sorry, my, my apologies. Peter McVerry said he was christening children that he knew he'd be meeting in Mount Joy when they were 21. My God. If they managed to get to Mount Joy. John Lundinger would have been saying the same thing. So this is generational it, stuff. This is generational yeah. stuff. It is generational stuff because when you get in trouble, and, and this is something I tell young people all the time, 
if you get yourself in trouble at 17, 18, 19, and it could be only a small thing, but you get yourself a criminal record, well, first of all, you can't immigrate to many, many countries they won't let you in. You're going to have a problem getting employment. You're going to have employers, ah, do I want this guy? And now suddenly you have generational unemployment. You have generational unemployment, then you, you begin to start living off the state and you begin to start having a little bit less respect for the institutions of the state. But if you go back to what Richard just said there about community policing, and I, and I checked out some of the figures before I came in, the Greater Ballyfermot area, which would be West Dublin, where Cherry Orchard is, has 127,000 people. It has 15 community guardi. Now this week, this week the Cowan Corla announced in the Dáil that Garda drivers would be provided from now on to all ministers. Which means there's going to be two guardi assigned to every minister of which there's 15. Now, I'm not sure about junior ministers. But there's now going to be 30 guardi assigned yes. to look after 15 people. And they need to be looked after, there's no doubt about that. But how in the name of God can you justify 30 Gardaí looking after 15 people driving around the country in big cars and then put 15 uh, community Gardaí into an area with 130,000 people and expect there to be no problems in that area? As Lena said, the two, the yeah. two inexperienced Gardaí went in at night. And I really, really felt sorry for I those really Gardaí. I, I think you're right, Fran. I think if they had got out of the car, or they'd got people had got into the car they could have been very badly I, injured I, I thought so because of the way the mob was behaving on, on, on uh, the night uh, Lena what about the parental area because you alluded to it yourself when you spoke there earlier on in terms of you know but there are generational issues you well know. I, I probably know from two sides but I brought up my two daughters on my own and uh, you, it's we tr- we're told try to be friends with them you can't be friends with a, a teenager and I mean oh, I know that better than anybody but you have to set ground rules and you have to be strict in them however bad you'll feel afterwards I think if kids don't know boundaries uh, you know and my grandchildren come to me now and I say oh we do this in Mammy's house you're in my house now this and this and that's what goes it doesn't always work that way but and I think that has to be the way but also I think Youth Reach does a great amount of work with these kind of people and uh, you know it's like I, I know of a story where this youngster went and got did his leave insert. A young boy did his leave insert, doing insert. Sorry, he was only his doing insert. Went out, I got his roles, went out, and got arrested on the night of his junior and came into school and it was a badge of honour. Now his teacher tore strips off him and he was a gog. He said, but, but he said, no, no, no. What do you, and like Liam said, you know, you can't get a job, you have a criminal record. But he didn't know any different. It's about educating both the parents and for the other parents that you may have, they, you know, parents are very busy these times. There's huge mortgages. There's, there are long hours of work mm-hmm. um, and a lot of time it's childcare that's doing it. Mm-hmm. I think, again, going back to the carers, Grandparents are great because they have the time. They also of made the mistakes. Yeah. With you know, you know how unpopular that would be to say that, that, you know, in modern times, both people need to be working and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And you're saying that's not ideal, Lena. It's not ideal, but grandparents are like, that is what made our society great was the lessons. The extended family. Yeah. Yeah, the extended yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, and like I see at my granddaughter's school, the number of grandparents that the, the families can't function mm. and if they don't have that support then the right. kids are walking home. Of course nowadays you need people working. You, you, need, you do, but, you know, yes, for, yeah, a, but, yeah, but then course. maybe now, look now after it, the yeah, carers that absolutely. are trying to do now, that. Nowadays, fine, and people are going and you're talking about government policy extending the pension age to 70 nowadays grandparents are going to be working all the way to 70 yeah. they won't be there as a resource yeah. that's a good point indeed alright let me take a, a break back in a moment 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. And you're very welcome back to our Friday panel. And Lena, Liam, and uh, Richie is with us uh, today. We're going to finish on something. Well, I was going to say something light, but I mean, to some people, it might be a very very difficult situation, which is who pays on the first date. Now, this discussion during the week came out of a letter to our agony aunt, Phil Prendergast. And it was a guy, he was out of a long-term relationship. He went online, he found somebody he liked, he invited her out for a meal, and he presumed he was going to pay. When he said this to his sister and some of his relations, they said, oh, it could be seen as being chauvinistic or misogynistic indeed if you pay and you should both uh, split the bill and stuff. Lena. Can I start with you, first of all? Um, what about that? Because we had a huge response to this. Yeah, I think it's it's I think it's it's a thing that men in particular um, think about because there's so much about equality and uh, women's lib and all the rest of it. Um, uh, for me, uh, it would should be if somebody invites you out. I would have, I would automatically think that it should be fifty fifty and on without would you. Well, I would. I'm an independent woman, right. um, um, and I suppose years and years ago, I lived and worked in London, and we had a group. There was a group of us, and the men were obviously earning a lot more money than we were, and they felt they should always pay. And they they used to say, "There's four of you that drive us mad because you could never <laughs> be nice to you." And we said, "It's not about that. It's about you're earning your money, and you're." Uh, and it was good. So I suppose just, I suppose I am a right. bit of an independent person. I think it's a woman likes to feel nice, but a man shouldn't feel under pressure. Uh, and or would be you uneasy. be surprised? That here that I'm, I'm giving it a rough figure here now it's not scientific but about 90% of those who got in touch with us on this were women who said no if a guy asked me out I, I'd expect him to pay otherwise I might think poorly of him. No that that doesn't surprise me I think um, modern women want to be independent um, and have equality but they like the chivalrous of the men uh, you know the men to pay to pull out the chair to open the door you know to yes uh, right. that's just me I know uh, there's got loads of women out there now that go to kill yeah, me, I, I, I wanted to point out Lena said that <laughs> none of yeah. the gentlemen in the studio said yeah. that uh, 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 today. I think it's difficult I think dating is difficult at the moment uh, anyway Isn't because just, there's yeah. so many there's so many pressures there's social media there's all sorts of pressures before uh, you know you'd meet somebody if there was a connection you might say yes you might you know have a common interest but the other thing I just said it off air a minute ago you know there's lots of places out there where it doesn't cost anything you can go and go for a lovely walk on our blue way mm. go for you know you know uh, sit in the, in the, the Inchfield and care is just a magnificent place yes. um, you know to sit and have a coffee or just walk around and you have lots of history there beautiful animals beautiful place so there's lots of places where you can meet somebody and be a meanie if All that's right, the way uh, you think about it um, uh, Liam you were making the point that the notion of taking somebody out to dinner for example <laughs> wouldn't have been the thing really, you know? I, I did I said I think it's obviously things have changed since I was meeting people um, <laughs> when I we went to a pub and you met somebody in the pub and you probably bought them a drink and they bought you a drink back and <coughs> you arranged to meet them again it generally was in the same pub the following Friday night and after a couple of weeks if you kept meeting each other you were going out with each other the romance of it all but that's, that's the reality of it I suppose most of us like, when we sobered up we were kind of oh, should we may as well go out together now but on a more serious note nowadays I suppose I think first of all I think most guys would still probably think that they should at least offer to pay um, because they might be felt bad if they didn't offer now I think that's fine so long as there's no expectation that 
paying for a meal or offering to pay for a meal will lead to something else. Well, that, I, that came up. Now I think that's that's, that's well. the yeah. main thing. Yeah. Like you know, if yeah. you ask somebody out and you say, "Oh, well, I'll pay for the meal," and if that person says, "Well, okay, thanks very much." But then when you get outside, you say, well, I pay for the meal, so now I expect something in return. Yes. That's obviously a problem, and that, that wouldn't be fair. Look, um, we've got so much things online nowadays. I have Revolut. My kids have Revolut. There's a way on Revolut where you can split a bill in it nowadays. I think that happens a lot. But, you know, I think yeah. I think if if I was back out the day and seen again, I'd probably still think that at least to offer to pay for it. Yeah, I think I'd be a bit the same as I, I'd wait and see how, how, how hard she fought back or he fought back. <laughs> I was to telling say you, no. I was telling you off air that one one of the listeners that got in touch with us a couple of weeks ago was telling us about a fella that uh, she met and he asked her out to the pictures and he said he'd meet her inside. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of <laughs> yes, frugal, I think, is the kindest world. I'd I say he had one there. I'd say he had one date with her. He didn't have a second I'd one, say, you know. I believe so, all right. Richie, what do you make of all yeah, this? Yeah, that that scene in Father Ted is coming into my head. You know what the two women, Mrs. Dial and her friend start fighting about who will pay for the tea oh, yeah. and then who will pay for the fine afterwards you know, the tumor and the cells but no yeah when that I saw it from ever I mean diff- my mind would be that if you ask somebody else not because of the, the woman that because you asked them out yeah. you would be yeah, I would expect on to YouTube pay yeah. and it's like yeah. when we were coming into the studio this morning I suppose it is nice if you leave the lady in first. There's some women would resent that. Mm. They'd say, I'm the same. But I asked my um, the youngster there last night, what, what do you think? Now, he's only a teenager. Oh, no, no. He says, it's all about equality now. Um, <laughs> I'm, if, I'm, if I'm going out, sure, I might only have a milkshake and she might have a three-course meal. Would that be fair? Well, I said, I suppose I wouldn't. <laughs> but, you can't argue with, you that, can't argue with yeah, that. But at the, I suppose traditionally, we'll say back at our times, like I'd say, the, like if you ask someone else, but I think in Ireland it was it was never that formal. I just say you could be going out, even thinking back to the late Dennis O'Sullivan. You know, in those plays, yeah. you could be people could be going out for years, and were they going out or were they just meeting yeah. every now and then? <laughs> that, that you couldn't really say. It was a loose arrangement. It was a very. Yeah. No, whereas in yeah. America, it's, as you say, Liam mentioned this morning, can I have your number? It's yeah. very formal. Yeah. I meet you next Monday, and that's that. That's yeah. it. I was saying there to find that you'd watch American films, you'd watch American series where people walk up to almost relative strangers and either ask for their number or offer their number. And I think if that happened in Ireland, you'd be horrified. Or wouldn't you just you, you, You'd be yeah. running, running far away. But look, different societies and different cultures yeah. have different things. I worked in Sweden where 25 years ago where it was very, very equal. And uh, a guy would walk in the door and he'd slam the door and a woman's face behind him. Go on. Absolutely, a Swedish guy and a Swedish woman didn't think it was. They weren't. They weren't that surprised about it because when those Irish lads kind of got there and we would hold the door open for somebody walking in behind us, they'd, they'd almost look at us as if to say, "What are you I doing? Know, like, yeah. oh, why are you holding the door?" One, one of the things that came up, Lena, is that and and I would certainly go. I'd hate to be a young lad again, trying to sort of you know get through the whole dating process and the whole thing nowadays because. It's it's complex and it's online and it's social media and it's Tinder and it's all of this. I'd, I'd hate to be young, full stop, friend. <laughs> I made so many mistakes the first time around. I wanted to go back, but yeah, I, I do. I think there is so much pressure on. Yeah. There's so much pressure on everybody. And you, what do you dress? What do you wear? Where do you go? What yeah. you know? What do you say? How do you? Dr- it, it's it's all pressure. There's nothing left. To, as, as Liam said, you know, you met someone in the pub, you bumped into you, and they may even have spilled a drink over you, or you said, yeah. or you're giving out about music, or you're dancing around. And it was kind of a natural <laughs> yes, meeting. I know. Uh, and then it went on further. But yeah, I, I think though, I think there is a lot, 
maybe there's a lot more ease to in that a lot of kids know each other they spend a lot of time texting mm-hmm. or think they know each other and then when they they, re, they meet in the reality it's a bit different so there is a there is a lot of pressure well there there we must be excellent panels today thanks to Richie and Liam and Lena really really love to, to have you in and apologies for, for, for delaying you as, as well yes Lena you want I just to wanted something. to pass on my condolences friend to Dennis O'Sullivan's wife and, and, and family Dennis was I'm involved in drama <coughs> out in Dole and he was so helpful to yeah. us in every way and in lots of ways that I didn't know him as well as everybody did, but just I was saddened yesterday to hear it and when I heard his voice this morning it kind of brought a little tear condolences yeah, to him he was a great you, man yeah you would have known him as well no absolutely because he yeah. interviewed us many times and the Clamel Theatre Kids mm. in particular he was a man we were just saying you couldn't put an age in him mm. in my mind I'd be saying he was in his late 50s the same or 60s. All the time. he looked yeah. always the yeah. same yeah. I mean I realise he must have been a good bit older but no as a, a sympathy to, to Stella and, and the family and, uh, and to Michael and all all of the family and the friends as well. Uh, thanks to Liam and Lena and uh, to Richie as well. That's it for me. Uh, Emma produced Ali, looks after our content, and I think it's Davin on the way sitting in for Stephen today. I'll talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.